Good evening. Welcome to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Enter freely and of your own will. In this episode, you may find many strange things, for the films to be discussed are old, and they have many memories. So, be there. Be there. Greetings, guys. Welcome to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. As always, joining you from Boston, this is Scott. And from L.A., Jim Towns. Again, welcome for hopping on with us. And um, one of the great things about running or uh, being part of Borgo Pass, as you guys know, those longtime listeners, is that we hit, of course, the A-list um, mega classics. And we get some, you know, we get down in the in the dirt a little bit and we enjoy the B-level, C-level culty ones. And this is one that, you know, we were talking about almost from day one because it's something that's, you know, just it's a, it's a fun one. And it's definitely not a, you know definitely not a mainstream it's probably not for everyone or you know it definitely has some eye-rolling moments but horror island of 1941 and um i don't know how much you knew about this jim i actually learned a lot about this episode i'm sorry a lot about this movie prepping for this i've seen this movie i mean maybe a half dozen times i'd say over my life and you know enjoyed it to a degree but you know it wasn't until i kind of put on those analytical glasses and started researching the movie that you know i learned quite a bit about this film Really? Yeah. I, I, this was a new film for me for the podcast. I, I watched it, uh, you know, earlier this year, uh, and I was starting to like watch a lot of, you know, cause for the podcast, obviously guys, we, you know, we, we, we watched Scott and I watched the movies and we do the research and we make our notes and stuff. And some of this stuff to, to get some of the films I had to buy, uh, you know, collections that, that I didn't own. And I bought, this is just a universal horrors, you know, DVD collection or something I found and I needed it for, um it was the tower of london or Ca- i think it was captive wild woman and uh and this was on it and and one or two others that i actually just hadn't seen before you know i, I i've seen a lot of them but a few of them have, have slipped by and that's just the fun part of doing the podcast it's like oh okay here's here's this little bit of a pothole that i'm filling in in my in my universal you know studios uh panoply here and stuff like that so and it was great i'm like oh my god this is I, I'm now a huge fan of Horror Island. And I just think it's such a, a fun little film and stuff. And they, if if IMDb is to be believed, they shot this film in 12 days and it was released 13 days after the completion of filming. Isn't that which, crazy? Which is incomprehensible even in the digital age uh, for, for a feature length film. Right. So, like, if you heard that, you'd be like, something's up here. Um, uh, but but uh but apparently so and released on a double bill with with man-made monster yeah. and you know the thing about universal and the, and the machine that they had running there was that even a, a really small budget film with a really tight schedule like this had had access to the same sets and camera equipment and lighting that the big films had it had access to the same music you know kind of reappropriated from bigger films like wolfman and and, and things like that so they just they punch way above their weight as opposed to a film that like monogram studios would have been making around this time right yeah i mean this is they say one of the cheapest films made i think they said i mean i and i don't know this for a fact i haven't done all the research but i've read the cheapest universal film of the 40s really yeah yeah and to your point yeah they're borrowing sets from like calfax abbey and 31's dracula tower of london I mean, I think they lifted all the music from, I mean, like I know it's like some invisible man, definitely, you know, a couple yeah. of other films here. So the, um, the yeah, staircase from, in the main room is definitely the staircase from night monster. 
uh, you know, whoever, right. whichever one came out first and whichever one used it first and whatever. But like, yeah, I mean, that's what it is, is that Universal has these, if they're not standing sets, they're in storage and they could just kind of bust them out and crank them out. And and my thing is, you know, I like Pirates of the Caribbean is the ride at, at Disneyland is is one of my favorite places on Earth. So even when the backgrounds, the, the sets look a little cheesy and fake and stuff, I enjoy that. I actually think that that just that adds to the feeling that it's like, it's a play that universal is putting on for me, for my entertainment. And I just, I, I dig the heck out of it. And that's a, that's kind of the, you know, some of the, the, the quaintness and kind of the fun of this film too, is, you know, you go into it and it's, you know, I don't know. I, to me, like this is a film you go into it. Don't, you don't expect a whole lot. Just, this is like a pop, you know, you sit back with a bag of popcorn and oh yeah, you know, maybe a, a, an alcoholic drink or just, you know, a diet <laughs> soda, whatever, whatever your fancy is. And just <laughs> enjoy this one. Don't overthink it. This is just a fun kind of fluff and, film. And that was what that that's, what the intention of the film was at the time this film wasn't made with the hopes of getting an academy awards this film was made to entertain and and you take it on on that level um as you could take any film really and right. and just it just you know enjoy what you bring to it i guess and yeah, I, I, I i i dig the heck out of it. i dig all the all the elements me too no i mean just it didn't have the budget but man they have some really great talent and great chemistry on that's the other thing film. Yeah. i mean yeah. that knocks it out of the park i mean this is this is to me what sets aside from other bc level low budget films is that you know you've got I mean, we can start right away i want to start with the director and george yeah. wagner who we know from the wolfman man-made right. monster um right. it's, it's george wagner directing this i mean it's right. it's it's you know he's 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 a he's not a, a schlep you know he's a he's a he's a competent you know journeyman director for universal and yeah you know he, he does great stuff with with limited uh resources yes i mean he worked on i think he was a producer like ghost of frankenstein frankenstein meets wolfman and um invisible agent actually a film we're going to be um recording later on this week phantom of the the 1943 phantom of the opera so yeah. i mean this guy has a huge you know, huge talent, you know, at this point probably doesn't have quite the cachet, but he's a heavyweight. I mean, in, in the annals of time, a heavyweight director for Universal. I mean, this guy has got some great, great talent and did a lot with, you know, very little. I mean, especially you know, him and, you know, whoever cast this movie and we can, you know, we'll get through the cast right now, but just really, really fun. So, oh, yeah. yeah, so this one's starring uh, Dick Ferran as Bill Martin and um, I got to loop him in. Also, we'll see Bill and actually his co-star Peggy Moran, uh, for more foran moran well this is going to be tricky but dick, dick um, foran peggy moran <laughs> right so I, I, I was saying before we started recording this guy like i feel like someone at universal said like hey their names rhyme let's put them in movies together right <laughs> so it kind of dick so and, dick, and, for, and, dick foran is we're going to call him bill martin from here on out yeah. and peggy moran as uh wendy creighton and you know for those universal fans out there you've seen them a um, little bit before, or actually a little bit after, and the mummy's hand, mummy's hand, yeah, um, yeah. which they have. And again, I I love these two. They have just great, great chemistry. They reminded me, you know, going back to think of like you know co-stars of this era, you know, male female co-stars, yeah. almost like. A, and I don't want to oversell this, but like a Cheney, Evelyn Anchors, like they just have some really fun, nice oh, yeah. chemistry in both of these movies, right? I mean, I mean, they almost have they have good adventure movie chemistry, yeah, uh, like in Mummy's Hand, but they have good comedy and and you know romantic comedy chemistry too there's all the you know little sexual tension and there's just the back and forth and she's she's every bit his 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 match you know in in all things um 
and becomes like I mean it's not to again not to oversell but like you know Cary Grant Catherine Hepburn kind of thing going on there. Sure. They, they're great together, and I'm, obviously I think someone saw that and was like, oh, let's let's keep this this bit of stuff going. And apparently they really enjoyed working with each other too, which is not always the case in 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 older films like this. You know, like, well, like Olivia De Havilland and, and Errol Flynn didn't get along. You know, stuff yeah. like that. Even yeah, you know, Cheney um, and Anchors. I, I, that always broke my heart when I heard like they didn't they didn't get along at all and uh because yeah. he just wanted them to, because they just, and they were in so many things together between, um, you know, obviously the Wolf oh, yeah. Man, and then, you know, later in the in mid 40s with uh, yeah. some of the collections that Cheney did, you know, and Anchors popped up. But, you know, to hear that Anchors and like her husband, you know, they just, they never got along with Cheney. That always kind of hurt me a little bit. But. It, 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 it take when then you start, you can't help but start applying that over and you start like, oh, that's a bummer now that you're thinking about mm-hmm. that and stuff like that because because they, they uh, do are so good on the screen. But it's nice to know, like, yeah, these these two these guys seem to have a ball doing this. And that's the other thing I think you can tell on this is like these, these people seem, I mean, it seemed like everyone had fun making this movie. And and that's you know, some movies are you know, been on having done a few myself, like some movies are just a blast to do and some movies are just a chore either one can turn out good or, or bad but it is sometimes you can catch that infectious kind of thing to see that that you know people are having a good time making this entertainment for you so these two are kind of like the jim Towns and scott kelly of podcasting exactly do i, do I say exactly. that yeah they just have so much fun together and... perfect analogy yes. all right <laughs> i'm not saying which one of us is which but that's you know. right no we'll leave that ambiguous but uh hopefully hopefully we never become anchors in uh cheney yeah exactly all right Continuing down with this, this great cast, uh, Leo Carrillo as um, the skipper, Tobias Klump, who's just absolutely amazing and fantastic. Yeah. And there's called the skipper on this. And he's a skipper. He, he's kind of like he's kind of like lowbrow Douglas Fairbanks looking in this thing. I mean, he really looks like Fairbanks in like some of his swashbuckling movies and stuff like that. And um, there actually is a Carrillo Beach in Malibu uh, up here named after him. I guess this property he owned or something because he he's quite successful. He did. He did Pancho Villa. He did a bunch of films. And um and apparently bought some beachfront property and now that's a public beach and I've been to that beach so there you go he's great I mean he just pops right off that screen he's so interesting to watch oh, that accent <laughs> the accent and just the and mixing up the words and stuff yeah no he's great yeah he's great um I say he's got a great fictional name and a great real life name so Fuzzy Knight as stuff <laughs> stuff Oliver so he's kind of uh, uh, Bill Martin's kind of you know secondhand secondhand man here his foil in this yes yeah no and he, he's awesome too he obviously he played i think he played like the cook in a bunch of you know western movies and stuff i mean he he's again one of these guys who had a thing he did he's like, blah, 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 blah. he kind of stutters and stuff mm-hmm. and um and it's like it's like you, you you hear him and you're like he sounds so familiar and then you realize like warner brothers cartoons had characters that you know uh, uh, like an animal character that they were just imitating him because he was so well known you know like right like you you, you these things like again like move into our pop culture kind of like ethos it's really funny yep no i just get the yeah the funny little tick in his voice and yeah. uh yeah, yeah he's awesome he's great and of course directed by uh, george Wayne, who we just mentioned so he- you know real real heavyweight cast heavyweight director so let's get right into it so we open up on a dock and um so the <laughs> first scene of the movie is you see a peg a peg-legged man yeah. um who we find out is the the skipper Walking the deck, he's got a huge bag over his shoulder, and he's looking for Bill Martin, and we're not really too sure why. Um, and he, you know, kind of walking down the dock, and a, a policeman comes, and they have a you know quick little blurb about you know policeman's kind of you know, a little suspicious of him, saying you know you're trying to break and enter, and mm-hmm. you know a little bit of a you know, a little side by here. But meanwhile, we've got this mysterious figure who you know come to find out was the Phantom, kind of spying or you know keeping an eye on on the skipper. 
Yeah. So um, it, it just you reminded me, I made a, a quick note of this. So you really don't see much of the Phantom, but he kind of looked like the outline of him reminded me of Griffin from The Invisible Man. You know, when he first walks into the inn, he's got the, big, you know, the hat on and that big trench coat. Oh, that's, yeah, a little bit. I mean, he reminds me a lot of The Shadow. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they're they're going for that a little bit, but he's got these very long angular hands. Um uh he's I have his I have the note here. He's played by Foy Van Dolsen. And I don't know a heck of a lot about Foy Van Dolsen, except he he is, I mean, there's a very Carradine like look to to him, right? I mean, it looks like had they spent more money, they could have gotten Carradine to play this guy because he's he's that angular, very lean, narrow face and very long hands and stuff. He looks yeah. great. I have that exact note, Jim. Yeah, once once okay. we we see uh, once we get to that island, we'll, we'll get to it. But once we get to the island and the castle, we see a uh, you know highlighted um, features of this phantom, and he is it's David Carradine. My gosh, yeah, it's, it's like they clone the guy or something like that. Yeah, no, it's totally. Great. And and I just want to mention, like it's I mean, Carrillo, who's playing the skipper, had had two legs. He's not a peg leg. Uh, you know, he's not an amputee. I should say um, by any sense. And they 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 do a few things where they they just film the leg someone walking who does have a, a wooden prosthesis i guess mm-hmm. uh uh a, a monopodal wooden prosthesis was, was that the pol- politically correct way to say peg leg now i guess <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh and then they kind of he walks past something and then you pan up and you see it's 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 carillo so you know they do a good job of, of selling the idea that this is a one-legged man when when the actor obviously is not so yeah, yeah no he's limping around and uh yeah i had to look that up too it, he, and for he, a 12 t- day shoot that takes a little bit of time to sell that and they took the time to, to sell that and that's that's not insignificant that's cool yeah absolutely it helps his character a lot yeah uh-huh. um yeah yeah and he runs into this now again we have this little sound cue that is that that is is from the wolfman uh salter did the uh um uh, music supervision for this film, which means they they borrowed from a lot of different things. There's some really adventure sounding music over the titles, which I don't know if that's. It sounds like it's from a pirate movie or something like that. It's. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Livio would know exactly where that's from. So maybe Livio can add the notes when we when we post this episode. Um, there you go. But yeah, um, uh, yeah. And the, the cops like went around and it turns out this this guy's looking for Bill Martin. Um, he, he's on a mission. He's on a mission. So there's another quick cut scene after um, the police seems to be um, convinced that the skipper isn't up to no good. So it kind of cuts back inside. So we meet Bill Martin and and stuff for the first time in the sitting around a table. And we get to learn that, you know, Bill is um, for all of his nice, nice gaieties. He's just down on his luck for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, just I don't know if he's not good with money. He's not good with businesses, but basically kind of a down on a down as a luck guy, at least financially. And he's got, you know, him and uh, stuff are, you know, trying to like, you know, duck the creditors and you know, oh, gets right. a couple of random people show up at the door and he thinks it's like the tax guy and blah, blah, blah. So basically Bill's looking for kind of a get rich, get rich quick scheme or at least something to kind of get him, get his financials back into the black. He's been in yeah. the red for a long time. So I feel like um, screenwriters can write this type of character really well for some reason. I'm mm-hmm. not sure why <laughs> the character's got the creditors coming after him and stuff. We see it in Sunset Boulevard, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as Bill and uh, stuff are kind of, um, you know, mulling over what they're going to do next in the next um, adventure, they're kind of hearing a scuffle outside. So um, the skipper and uh, the phantom are kind of wrestling on the dock and this stand up kind of, you know, wrestling, pulling each other back and forth. Skipper winds up in the water and we see a dark shadow, the phantom running off with a big, you know, black cloak and the hat. 
Um, so Bill, of course, Bill and, um, and stuff who are, you know, nice guys run out, they, you know, rescue Morgan, they pull up, I'm sorry, take a step back. They run outside and pull Skipper, you know, out of the water. And of course, there's a kind of a funny scene of them trying to get the peg leg. Um, and basically, um, yeah, they think looks- it's really funny that he's an amputee. They're like, ha, ha, ha. Right. there's a whole it's a gag line. It's really. Yeah. Okay. But they pull him from the water and they thought he had like just lost his life. He was like they thought he was bitten by a shark. Yeah. Was- yeah. They're like, get a tourniquet. It's, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. funny, like, it's like funny thing. You don't think about that. Like he's missed a leg. Right. There's no he's blood like, no, anywhere. No, <laughs> it's out there. It's floating out there. You get it. You get my leg. You know, he said, I mean, he's doing Curl is doing this. It's hard to figure out if it's if it's a Spanish accent or an Italian. It sort of is. It's it, it's based regionally, I guess, in that part of the Mediterranean. Let's say. yeah, it's very universal. Like there's no time, there's no place. <laughs> yes, so exa- just, exactly. Right, and he's dressed he's dressed like a pirate. I mean, he's got he's got an earring and a headband and, and stuff. I mean, he in it, again, it's like we talked about his pocket thing. We're like, you know. You know, you know, Bill Martin is, is trying to figure out the bills to pay his boat and, you know, he's going to have like a, a cruise and everything like that. And there's a freaking pirate hanging around. Right. And no one thinks it's odd and no one, you know, everyone just accepts it. Maybe it wasn't that odd for 1941. I don't know. All he needed was a parrot on the shoulder and it would have yes, been like, exactly. that would have been great. Like, arr, 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 Bill Martin. Martin. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, you know, these these three men, of course, after the rescue, kind of form a, a nice bond, and the skipper lets them in to me extremely quickly into his his plan. So basically, the skipper has a or had a map, a full map um, leading to treasure on an island called Morgan Island, which is named after a pirate named Sir Henry Morgan, who you know reportedly had a you know twenty million dollars that they can treasure and diamonds and jewels and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And hit it on this this island that we learn we come to find out Bill Martin has inherited from his grandfather. Right. So at this point, I'm not sure if and, and maybe you know Jim if the skipper even knew that or not. I guess he did, right? He knew that. I, I think he does. I mean, I think that's why he seeks out. Yeah, Bill Makes sense. Martin. Makes sense. Um, yeah, we're gonna go there. So yeah, but but it's only it only comes out in a little bit uh, when his cousin shows up that he owns the island. So so that it unfolds at a, at a certain pace, I guess, let's say. Yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of, I guess if there's a a problem with this movie, the pacing at some point, it it goes very, very quickly. Like they literally, they gloss over some pretty big, you know, monumental details in the movie, especially at the end. And and we'll get there. It's like, they literally, they button up this movie in like a second. It's like, Holy shit. I can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. They seem to to, to do some of the work themselves. Right. So this is a good, yeah. I mean, again, watching this again for this podcast was helpful because I picked yeah. up on a couple of things. But yeah, you really have to pay attention to you know get everything. So basically, the long story of it is that Bill Mar- Bill Martin has inherited an island. This belief that a, a pirate named Morgan has twenty million dollars of you know of a treasure hidden somewhere in this castle on the island, and basically um, the skipper has a map to it, or basically had a map. And then during the commotion or the wrestling match with the Phantom, the Phantom has stolen half of the map. Yes. So kind of the second. Morgan is not Martin's ancestor or anything, right? I think I always assumed that the first time I, I watched it, but I don't think that's the case. It just happens it, to be there. It would but make a lot more sense. It, it maybe would. Um, maybe that's my screenwriter <laughs> uh, side uh, asking that. Um, but, but Bill Martin is skeptical about this treasure uh this map and stuff he doesn't he doesn't totally buy into uh what the skipper is trying to sell him um he thinks it's far-fetched and stuff because he's you know he's he's a modern man he's a practical guy and and you know hunting for whatever um but but it leads to a a, a funny 
it is neat how they set this up is that so so their solution to this thing oh oh so while they're actually in the cabin let we should address this while they're in the cabin talking with the skipper the phantom shows up again and like knocks over he's like spying on them and he knocks over a boat hook and they they chase him uh this time you know they're gonna they're gonna catch the guy and uh you know bill and and stuff go after him uh obviously the skipper likes behind because he's not quite as fast as everyone else only having one leg um <clears throat> but they but the guy gets away uh, and says so they don't catch him, and so, but there, there definitely is someone who wants this map. This is this is a big deal. Um, yeah. uh, they come back to the ship and find someone on the on the ship, and they assume it's the the Phantom has returned while they were away. And Bill, like very action wise, you know, jumps jumps onto the ship and tackles the guy and starts beating on him and stuff like that. And they have a whole tussle, and it turns out it's it's his cousin, um, who's kind of estranged. I guess they don't really have a lot to do. And his cousin wants the island. This is where we find out about the island. The, the cousin wants to offer him uh, money, like $20,000 for the island. Right. Yeah. Something has happened. I don't know if it was some issue. I mean, it sounds like the grandfather, the, the mutual grandfather passed away and it might be yeah. money issues within the within the family. But yeah, right. so Bill and George are not, you know, they don't seem to be too cordial. But um, yeah. yeah, for George, whatever reason. George, no, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, George is his name. Yes. His name. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But George is like more well to do. He dresses nicer and stuff. And there's a line about the the the, the skipper's like, well, I think he's after the treasure. And uh uh and stuff is like, no, he only he only he he's only into etchings, which is a for any of our younger viewers, and I mean even Scott Iron of this age, but the inviting someone up to your place to see etchings is a was a um euphemism for trying to seduce uh, a lady to come up and to your house and, and stuff that so come look at my etchings may basically was a yeah okay we're all right. on the page right <laughs> similar to madame zaleska if you've ever seen uh dracula's daughter she's like yeah she was looking to, <laughs> she yeah, come was, let me paint you i want to do a study of your shoulders, yeah it's kind of like right? an etching yeah. Yeah. yeah so we all know what we're talking about here okay um <laughs> the, the, the the basic thing is that george is a bit of a playboy i guess he's got a reputation and he says i'm thinking about buying the island from you i think it'd be a nice getaway for the weekend right which i guess means he wants to bring girls there something like that where, yeah, where so they can't escape i don't know no no right it's really creepy yeah it's like a one-way <laughs> getaway like Whatever, Bill's uh, island of of lust and love. But yes, anyway, exactly. so George, the creepy, I don't know, does the cousin gets, so it's funny, they tussle thinking he's the phantom. And yeah. then um, the skipper comes out with it. You know, I don't know if he like unplugs his wooden leg again, but basically whacks George over the head, knocks him out. Um, you know, so George is laying unconscious on Bill. And then he, I don't know if he, I forget what it is, he pulls a light or whatever and realizes, oh, it's my, it's my cousin. It's yeah. not the phantom. Um, and they, you know, throw water on him. So now George is conscious. They, they put him in or pull him inside, um, within the boat. And yeah, he, George, for whatever reason, now wants to buy this Island for, yeah, $20,000 and bill declines. And of course, stuff is thinking about their financial woes or, right. you know, Bill's financial woes saying, geez, that's a lot of money to turn down, you know, 1941, this would, this would 20 solve their, their issues, right? right? And um, yeah, for whatever reason, he just, you know, he doesn't trust his cousin and he's going to keep, you know, keep a hand on that island. And yeah, so f- basically from here. Like, so, so 20. Oh, wait, wait, hang on. Tw- I'm doing I'm doing the math. Twenty thousand dollars in. In that era would equivalent to almost three hundred and sixty nine thousand dollars today. So that's that's a significant wow. amount of money he's offering him in 1941. It would be hard to believe. I mean, I I get it. There's like it's nice to have a place to bring tail. That's a lot of money to give up, right? I mean, he that, could have bought like 
a couple of like love shacks for that kind of money for a guy struggling. Yeah, no, exactly. So I'm not sure that is, that is a significant amount of money for him. That's almost, it's more than a quarter million dollars. He's turning down for a guy who's really, really broke, but obviously, obviously the, the Island means a lot to him, right? It means something to him. I mean, it's just kind of a dilapidated castle and, you know, again, you know, maybe a little bit better story, story writing, um, a little bit longer movie. Like there might've been, there might've been something, right? Like something connecting Bill to this Island, but it's again, the plot's moving very, very quickly. So basically Bill declines. It moves right past the part. It moves. I'm sorry. It moves right past the part where, where Bill owns a Gothic uh, medieval castle (laughs) off the coast of America. It moves right past that. Yeah, that just brushed right over until like a few but maybe his later. grandfather was like William Randolph Hearst or something was some like ironic you know, or some uh, uh you know idiosyncratic guy and he did he did crazy stuff like build a castle so yeah well, we we can we can accept it for sure but anyway so yeah George is you know he's he kind of laughs him off he's like okay but I'll be back in a few days you know thinking you know knowing you know Bill's kind of down his luck and George is like yeah I'll be back in a few days you you know you probably accept yeah. my offer at that we, point we think so and leaves that. and at, at this point. It this you know skipper stuff and Bill start talking more about this this half map. Well, Bill's Bill's uh, suspicious and he says, "I know how we'll do this." And he takes it to an expert. He takes it to a guy to uh, you know he and stuff and the skipper all go to this uh, map expert guy um, to verify it. Um, who's a great. I, I don't have the actor's name in front of me, but but he you know he plays into the story later on and he's really funny and and and, and you know interesting. Um, kind of a goofy character really meek and really whatever but he loves like mysteries and stuff um uh so he he tells them no it's 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 a fake it's a really really good fake but it's a fake and he, he says that so obviously the um the phantom whoever he is er, brought brought the other half to him earlier and he told him the same thing that it's a fake and he didn't want to believe it yeah, so it's this this man named Professor Jasper, uh, uh, Jasper Quinley. He plays you know a pretty big part later on in the movie, so we now remember him. So it it seems like he's more of just kind of a throwaway character. So yeah, he's a he's a local surveyor who Bill and and crew kind of bring this map to. And yeah, yeah like Jim had said, he basically he poo poos it immediately. It's a fake. It's worthless. Blah blah blah. But yet this uh, professor keeps you know showing up. So as I think this is kind of what kind of plants the seed in, in Bill's ear is this survey says, Oh, there's so many fake maps out there. People are, you know, suckers. There's people a sucker born every minute. Them. Yeah. 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 And, and this and whole wheels start turning and, yeah, just... and people love, people love to go on treasure hunts. Yeah. And, you know, of course being Bill being the, the schemer that he is, he owns his Island starts connecting dots saying, well, geez, maybe I'll start charging folks to do like this ghost, um, haunted castle, um, you know, tour, which yeah. me personally, this, this sounds great, man. I'd be giving up 50 bucks for this. I, I was going to say like, so, so adjusted, I did look this up already adjusted for, for inflation, $50 and 41 is the equivalent of about a thousand dollars now. So it's wow, it's significant. Yeah. But he, I liked that he comes up. I mean, he's, he's broke for money. He's offered a whole ton of money for his cousin doesn't take it. And he comes up with this idea. Like it's like a get rich quick scheme where he's going to run these haunted tours where you know you get on his boat and you go to this haunted island and you search for treasure and you might be able to you know get this treasure and stuff. It seems like anything else you could possibly do would be an easier way to make money if you were Bill Martin, right? Like this is so complicated, I, and, and it runs such a risk of not. He has to buy all the the skeletons and the 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 things to make the effects with and everything like that, right. and he has to sell this thing. And he has to have gas for the boat. He has to put out all this money for something that could easily not make any money. So you, you kind of see why Bill Martin is broke. Is, is my point exactly? Right. He, there's 
there's a certain practicality that does not exist for this guy, right? Yeah, if you're we business, love him for it. If you're a businessman, I mean, who in the 1940s is spending a thousand dollars for like literally two days that's, on like this island? He keeps keep prefacing point, right? it. All expenses paid. It's like, all right, well, you get a few a, a few square meals, bolt yeah. right over, bolt right back for a thousand bucks a head. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, again, like, I guess I would be one of those people now that would be like, yeah, okay, and like, I won't do an escape room, but like that, yeah, sure, I'll go to a haunted <laughs> island. That sounds awesome. Um, so, but, but it, it's a great, it's so goofy, and it's such a, it's such an outlandish kind of nonsensical plot device, but it works. It totally gets us into okay. Here we're gonna, here's our getting into the amateur, and we can collect this random crazy group of people that we'll get into in a little bit um to go on this adventure and it gets all these people to the island and to the castle together um and for that so for that reason i i just think it's it's a it's grand it's awesome i feel and again this is oh god i, I don't want to split here say i feel like it would have been it would have made a little bit more sense if they had actually run this scheme before it just seemed like it seemed like it was kind of a very very quick to come up with this idea then the next thing we know stuff who you know it doesn't seem like the brightest bulb in the in the you know in the, the drawer yeah. is all of a sudden like putting together electrical equipment and setting <laughs> up speakers throughout this castle, right? He's, yeah, he's a handy. I mean, guy. He's like an engineer uh, and like yeah. a, a sound guy. I mean, stuff. The the funny part is stuff. Stuff's supposed to be a goofball, you know, sidekick guy and guy, but everything he he says to Bill it makes total logical sense. Like he's actually right. he's like maybe you should just take that money and like get out of debt. And Bill's like, no, 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 I'm gonna run haunted adventure. <laughs> like, like like maybe you should listen to stuff. Stuff actually is making a lot of sense right. here. He's like, shut up, stuff. Go buy, go buy some more fake skull heads and yeah. all this shit. It's like, um, oh my gosh. But uh, I, yeah, he's I like his, con- he's like his good friend. He's like, he's you know, his conscious. But like, you know, Bill, you probably just yeah. want just take your money and run. If you and- listen to me, you wouldn't be in this situation. It's like he's always that guy. Like it's funny. Um, I by the way love this first act of the film that takes place on the docks and stuff. I love the where the boat moors on the water, and I love the the old you know beat down you know waterfront buildings that they walk around in the shadows and stuff. I think this is like actually visually almost the most evocative part of the film and i think it's really neat i i don't know if it's on the universal the little mini lake there where they um where if you go to the universal studios in california they have where the jaws comes out of the water right you've seen it and sure, everything. Sure. um and i think i think they use that for murder she wrote they use there's a bunch of buildings around that little lake um and stuff and it's you know you can put a boat in and stuff like that so i wouldn't wonder if that's where they filmed uh this first part of it and stuff uh at least the exteriors so it's and it takes guess. place all at night and you can see their breath in some of the scenes and stuff uh it's definitely it's not shot day for night like a lot of films would they shot at night and they shot a lot of exteriors and it's it looks like it was a little chilly out there yeah and no, i had read you know i think i don't know if it was an imdb or, or wiki but yeah because of the the shooting schedule of this 12 days to get this thing completed they worked you know over the eight hour days so they could you know six in the morning till midnight that oh, you know yeah. dick Farin actually you know was sick you know, at least the last few days he caught a oh, really really? Bad, oh, wow. really bad cold because of yeah um and yeah like i couldn't find a bunch of times yeah yeah and i couldn't find any other shooting locations i mean my guess is i think you're dead on jim i mean it must have been like right off the universal lot i mean given the the budget on this movie and the time that they had to record to uh film this thing i i don't i don't know if they could have gone on location so i think it's probably right. that it's probably some exteriors from other stuff um and then uh uh, yeah, and and obviously the like when they get to the castle, that's definitely all, if not standing sets ready, you know, ready made. Like they put them together, and 
yep. lock them out and stuff like no, that. No, it's Tower of in. London. Now it's Carfax Abbey, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's just it's just they've got to be ripping through these these pages and stuff. And you see it in some of those shots where like there's not a heck of a lot of coverage. It's just like they lock the camera down and it's three guys having a conversation. Um, uh, uh, they, they get they have to get through those those days really quick. Uh, but yeah, no, it's I just I just think it's effective. And the next thing we know, um, so so the, the other hating incident that happens that that gets them moving on this island is um, they're going to uh, to take all the props over to the island. And when they're pulling out in in Bill's old junker car, they run into this kind of very sleek schooner looking, you know, expensive looking car, and it's driven by uh, Peggy Moran. Yeah, Peggy Moran, uh, Wendy Creighton comes out and we get to know right away she is not to be trifled with, extremely sassy and funny. She I think the first words out of her mouth is figures a man driver. Yeah, you it's know, funny. I love that. Just rolls her eyes. Oh shit. You know, he a man driver. Man and, driver. You know, Bill didn't know what, you know, Bill's just like, oh geez, he's got his hands, <laughs> he's got his hands full. So they have, you know, some great dialogue between the two. And he's she's got this passenger, this oh uh, Thurman Coldwater, who I mean, yes. I never and I got to be honest with you. I just, I didn't have a lot of interest in him at all. Are they cousins? Are they like, what's the, I don't know they, what their friends? relationship is intended to be. Um, it's not I romantic. Might, I, mean, I think, well, I think she might possibly be supposed to be his beard. I'm not sure. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> that that's, that's the impression I get. At least um, he's the, the, I don't know if the actor's name in front of me, the, the actor is definitely playing him that way. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think he, he's mostly there to be a, uh, uh, you know, kind of like comedy relief because uh, he's he's a I think he's a funny character. because He's over this. He's just he doesn't care about anything. He just he's sleeping off whatever he was doing last night. He's a party boy um, and he's a reluctant participant in this in this adventure. But he isn't a, a romantic challenge to for for Bill. So Certainly I think not. I think he fulfills his purpose. And, but, he, he you know, he dresses kind of like the the th- uh, like uh, Thurston Howell in, uh, in, 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 in in Gilligan's Island, which um yeah, there's a lot of Gilligan's Island in this. I mean, I mean, or this in Gilligan's Island, I should say. It's it's really you look at it you're like there's kind of a mismatched bunch of crew people who are stranded on an island together, and weird things happen. Like you're like, hang on a sec. Yeah, if he was a little bit less Faye, he totally could have been like a Hugh Hefner type. Yeah, I love yeah, I yeah. love Thurston Powell. That that's exactly who he is. Yeah, just... no, yeah, yeah, no, and he's absolutely in a, in a, in an emergency situation. He's absolutely useless. Um, right. Uh, which is funny. So yeah, so it's a funny bit. Um, uh, yeah, she. So so um, Wendy wants you know him to pay for the damage to her car because he pulled out in front of her. Um, Bill doesn't really have the money, and there's this whole back and forth. That's really funny. It, it's it. I mean, it's kind of tritely written, and it's kind of whatever. But but the two actors are so charismatic and charming mm-hmm. that that we get right through it. And the next thing you know, he's got her conned into somehow coming on the 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 treasure hunt tour uh with him uh on the boat and stuff so she's kind of his first uh the first get that they 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 manage and then the second one is um is the funny little map maker guy decides like i want to go on an adventure too like yeah this professor comes on and yeah, yeah it's kind of cute i don't know cute's the right word but yeah he pulls um you know wendy into his little office area with um this thurman coldwell yeah. and you know just through talking realizes she's extremely affluent it sounds like her dad owns a huge yacht or not i'm sorry not a huge yacht but a huge 
a marina or something. Basically, long story short, she's very affluent. She's got money. Yeah, she's got a um, boat that's nicer than his, apparently. That's right. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't she doesn't need Bill's money, put it that way. So he basically says, you know, I'm planning this, you know, haunted, you know, trip to the island. Come out with me if you don't have the best time, if you're not thrilled, if you're not scared, I'll pay you double. So if it's two hundred dollars right. to fix your car, I'll give you four hundred dollars. And she's I mean, this is a little bit of an attraction going on. And you know, she probably had nothing better to do for the weekend. So, you know, of course she agrees. So um yeah, she's she, she's sort of charmed by him. I think. Yeah, I yeah. think there's that thing. And they, uh, by the way, Vera West has Peggy Moran dressed so snazzily in in this. Uh, we were, I was, I was watching just a little bit ago. My wife came in and, and saw like this black dress she was wearing. She's like, "Wow, that's great!" Like you know, um, Peggy West looks amazing, and she has these little hats and these little sweater shits and stuff. Oh, she's like gorgeous, that. very yeah. classy. Just very classy. yeah, just. Meanwhile, Bill Martin is just wearing frumpy sailor, you know, super like his belt's like just about three inches below his nipples. You know, I mean, he's he's in, he's got the sailor cap thing. I mean, he's that's his look throughout the entire movie. Uh, Peggy gets to look uh, pretty smashing throughout. And she does. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Just great. And she's just look. she's just so quick and witty and funny and so self-assured and so in charge at any given moment, it, I, except for one. She's she's really in control. And then she's. She's a great foil for him. And you can, again, you can see why Universal looked at this, who are the powers that be, and were like, you know what? Those two would be great in a mummy movie together. And they, and they are. It, it's, such they a are. Breath, it's such a breath of fresh air to see, you know, we've said it a bunch of so many times in the past podcast, just a strong, strong, funny oh, yeah. woman in these films. I mean, for so many other times. Yeah. Again, there is one scene we'll get to it. It's like you just roll your eyes. Like, of course, they had to do that to poor Wendy. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. for the most part, like, again, like just this whole car crash. And oh, of course, of mm-hmm. course, a man driver and she's affluent and she yeah. really has the controls over this guy. Um, yeah, she's yeah, she's nothing's happening that she kind of doesn't want, you know, to that, that she doesn't agree to. And so and she's like, I'm going to regret this, but OK, I'll just do it. And she's <laughs> charmed by him. And Dick Ferran, I, I said this in the in the Mummy's Hand podcast, like he's yeah, as a B as a B grade, you know, star. He's he's really he's got this infectious optimism and energy that he brings to the characters he, he plays. That is really fun to to watch. And, and you know, he he plays, you know, in this and Mummy's Hand, he plays these kind of very noble type guys. Um, and that that have like their action side, man. You know, he's not he's not dark and twisted like Lon Chaney Jr. and Wolfman, and he's not you know mysterious like Bella or anything. But he's he's a good lead, he's a good action leading man who happens to be in kind of a horror movie, right? He is. He's very likable. Like I said, you yeah. can see why women would fall for him, why men want to you know hang out with him or you yeah. know follow, follow him into you know, an adventure. Like you just, like you said, he just got that infectious personality. He does. And, you know, yeah. same in, same in the mummy's hand. I mean, you know, um, yeah, it so, works in this. Cause he's kind of a, in both of this movies, he's kind of a huckster. I mean, he's kind of, mm-hmm. he, he seems to both play in both of these movies. Like this guy who's kind of like down on his luck and need, needs a win. And, and he, it, it only is based on his own enthusiasm that he, uh, you know, he's, he's able to put together the enterprise that actually leads to success. Yeah, He's I mean, driving so the, the plot as opposed to some other uh, characters yeah. in some other horror uh, universal movies that we talk about sometimes who sometimes. just sort of sit back and let things happen to them. Who might who might have a T-shirt on the Boga Pass? <laughs> there there might point. be a T-shirt coming out about that. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe we'll see. Um, so they go to the boat and and it's the, the day of the, they're, they're leaving and everyone's, you know, getting on board. Uh, so it's let's see, it's 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 obviously, you know, uh, Bill and stuff. 
you know, it's, it happens um, so fast too. It's like, yeah, they have like this cast of characters. So yeah, I had to rewind it like twice. I'm trying to write down like all these characters. So let's keep each other honest here, Jim. So yeah. So we've got, I mean, obviously Bill and stuff, right. Yes. We've got Wendy, we've got Wendy and Wendy's, Thurman Wendy's guy. Yeah. What's your guy's name? Thurman called a uh, cold water. Thurman. Yeah. Cold water. That's right. Cold water. Yeah. It calls him ice <laughs> Which water. I think, I think it's a joke of some kind of the, of the era. Um, uh, They've got the professor who's, who's, you know, very eager to go along. And then, um, and George is going along. His cousin, George is going along. Yep, just George for, shows up out of the blue. Yeah. For laughs and stuff, you know? Um, and then they have this, this couple that <laughs> they're obviously gangsters. Like there's no great fun. Like, I, just kept, I kept calling them Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, so. exactly. What do we have their real names in, in I, the, the real character names in the, in the film? I do. So yeah. So the, so Bon, I'm sorry. So Clyde is Ron Grady. Ron. And um, Bonnie is Arlene. So it's Ron, uh, Rod and Arlene Grady. Rod, but, that's yeah, right. Bill said total gangsters. And, you know, they have which, which we, Rod is that Rod is a, a, a euphemism for a gun. So that makes sense that, you know, that's a good I think the screenwriters are having a little bit of fun with these names. Yeah. I mean, total jerk. All I need is like the little toothpick hanging out. And I mean, he's like raising his hand almost to his woman. I mean, just a total ass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to, to really the stereotype though. He's like, yeah, all right. See, like all these, all these, it, the only thing is, yeah, you're right. He's not doing, he's not like chomping on a cigar or something. Right. But he's a lean, uh, uh, dangerous looking guy. I mean, I don't, uh, the actor, I don't know what else he, you know, him from other things and stuff, but um, they're great. They're actually great too. Cause they're, they're fun. They're obvious. They obviously have, like an ulterior motive and no one seems to be aware of it. And it's just kind of, they're looking at giving each other shifty looks. And he's like, I saw you. I and that guy be careful, you know? Yeah. I know for some reason early on, it doesn't really play out, but yeah, that so cousin George and this Arlene, they seem to be playing, you know, kind of, you know, yeah. Checking each other out. Well, well, George, George, George's notorious ladies, man. Yeah. Maybe he wants to see his etchings. And we learn later on, like Arlene isn't that happy with, uh, with Rod, but no, 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 no. You know, she's, kind of trying to get the hell away from him but you know we'll get there we kind of learn a little bit more about uh rod and arlene later on the film but yeah yeah, then all of a sudden we've got the sergeant mccoon uh mcgoon who shows up um who's kind of the guy with (laughs) glass he's a goon i mean they're really just uh the the writers having so much fun with this yeah so we have the sergeant that shows up and um trying to ticket dick so we didn't really mention it so prior shortly after he comes up with this idea to do this haunted tour he puts an advertisement in the paper and this right. Sergeant Magoon is coming out and basically enforcing something from like the district attorney that they, it's a, basically a cease and desist that, you know, that Bill is promising ghosts and goblins and scares and basically, yes. you know, and the sergeant's basically like, well, you know, you, you know, you can't say that if you can't prove it. And Bill kind of flips around on the sergeant being like, well, you know, how do you know we're not going to see ghosts and goblins and blah, 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 blah. And basically, you know, it's basically a, a way to get the sergeant on yeah. a boat. He's like, oh, you know, for, for 75 bucks, he's charging everyone else 50. But, you know, for sergeant, for 75 bucks, you know, why don't you come out? I'll prove it to you and you can expense it. And You can expense it. I love that. I right. love the joke that he, there, there's a lot of like stuff about money and, and, and finances and income and like a lot of jokes about that in this that, that seem very you know, prescient and, or not prescient. It's very, very of the time where, you know, again, we're, we're still coming. We always talk about this, like we're still kind of coming out of the depression and people have been struggling. And, you know, I think the audience of the era hears this and goes, Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah we, we know what so, that is. That's um, I do love Magoon. I mean, he, he represents like some made up hilarious, like the maritime, uh, 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 institute of, 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 you know, lawfulness and criminal whatever's or something. I mean, it's such a, it's absolute gobbledygook and it's really funny. And he's, 
he's obviously like he's not an ace cop he, there's a moment not. where he tries to take out his gun and he can't figure out where he put it and stuff and he's he twirls a gun with that's still loaded right in front of people's faces and stuff i mean he's he's a but he's a great character too he's awesome with he's the fun, glasses yeah. and stuff yeah he kind of reminds me of like the keystone cop i mean going back to like say dracula's daughter yeah you know the guy that was like you know in the morgue and he's just you know yeah. Just, well, he's he's the he's the law enforcement character in a scene where where he's only going to be an obstacle to the heroes he's not actually going to be help he's just going to be in the way right right um uh so you no know, he's great yeah so he cons him on just at the last minute um you know he's like oh you can pay me later like just get on so he gets yeah. him on the boat so that they 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 can't shut him down and then it's kind of an odd and i'm not a hundred percent sure and we, we can talk through this and we're probably gonna we're gonna think about this probably a lot more than the filmmakers did so basically they're pulling out of out of port and then this little you know little you know, boy runs up with, you know, the hat and the cool little, you know, like I don't know, like a New York accent or something. Like they, street you know. urchin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like a street right, urchin. There you go. Right out of Queens. And I'm not sure yes. no one else sounds like they're from Queens. So I'm not sure <laughs> this, how this kid got here. I love the accent. It is like total Queens, New York, Brooklyn. He's like, yeah. hey, hey, whatever. Bill, who's got this package for him. So throws it, trying to get in the boat, lands in the lands in the ocean. Um, and I figured if it's stuff or somebody, you know, trying to you know kind of pull the package in and yeah. it just explodes. Right. And it's like, so if you're the, I don't know. I mean, if you're the phantom, you're trying to stop, you're trying to get the other, basically the phantom wants the other half of this map. Yes. And so, so he's going to, you know, rig up an explosive to do what? To, to, I, I, I agree. Like to blow up the boat. And if he blows up the boat, doesn't he blow up the other half of the map? Yeah. The, the logic does fall, fall a bit. Again, you don't, you don't think too hard on this film. Yeah. I, I, I try I, to think there's a, there's a subplot there's a subplot going through this that's only revealed at the end. So I don't want to get to it right now, even though obviously most people watch it, listen to this have probably at yeah. least at some point seen the movie. Um, and it has to do with like the value, the actual value of the island. Uh, uh, right. As far as what's going on in 1941. Right. Um, and, and, and so there's a mysterious kind of like agent type guy, you know, who's, who's, trying to find bill and bill keeps avoiding him because bill thinks he's a he's you know after his back income tax or something like that there's a lot of lines like that but that has and so who knows maybe maybe it has something to do with that subplot maybe there's a whole other movie happening behind this movie that we're not aware of and maybe i'm just giving too much credit to the screenwriters who had to probably write this again it is yeah it's the plot is not is not it's not dense at all but it moves so quickly and just get, people just kind of show up and they're off screen yeah. it's hard to kind of keep i mean especially looking at from an analytical view like how we're doing to, to do a podcast again i and i'm i'm going to show my cards right now i like this film a hell of a lot more when i wasn't thinking too much about it i feel like once i've put on the glasses and i'm rewinding scenes and you know what did he say and you know and not that i don't yeah. like this film because i would definitely watch this again hopefully with my popcorn and you know a little glass of tequila but the minute i started really analyzing this film i'm like i can see why i got panned by the critics like th- this is a tough yeah. one sometimes yeah i i just you know i i just like to take a movie based on its what its goals were and and whether or not those goals were achieved and i i honestly i i think this movie achieves the goals it it, it was trying to do which is just to entertain you for an hour and and yeah make a 12 stuff, make but, a 12 day schedule and yeah, yeah that's that's true i know yeah. you can you can as a filmmaker jim you can appreciate that more than i can so oh yeah yeah maybe right. i don't know uh, so uh so great you know so they're now they're on the boat and they're sailing and there's there's obviously the funny thing where magoon is is seasick and 
and uh he's like maybe it's something i ate and someone's like what did you eat he's like a, lo- a lobster three three scoops of strawberry ice cream and a couple of beers <laughs> like, oh that's so it's it's you know there's that kind that type of gag is in a bunch of movies and stuff like that. But somehow the combination of those three foods he lists is so perfect. Like you're like, yeah, that would absolutely yeah, be right. so lost, lost our ice cream and beer. Yeah. And stuff's like, Oh, it's definitely not something you ate. <laughs> All so, I had was a lobster, three scoops of strawberry ice cream and a couple of beers. So living on Cape Cod, I have quite a bit of lobster and beer, but I would not yeah. mix. I would not mix ice cream in that. that, that that's, and that's the critical thing. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> you can see the, the dairy <laughs> mixed in with there is, is the problem plus the strawberry yeah but th- so there's there's you know the moment on the on the uh boat where the 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 gun mall what's her name uh uh arlene, arlene. is uh yeah it's definitely eyeing uh uh george and george's eyeing her and and rod's like knock it off you two you know, you know um <laughs> uh thing um then they you know they're so so oh, there's a little mention of like apparently they've been sailing around for six hours because someone put a magnet in the in the steering wheel which, which, you know, maybe the Phantom did that. I'm not sure. Like, like there's this offhand comment Bill makes about that. I'm like, like, so someone, someone is definitely trying to keep them from getting to the island too. And I don't know if that's maybe, you know, the Phantom's plan as well. Maybe the Phantom thinks that having half the map, all he has to do is keep them from ever getting to the island and he'll, yeah, maybe he'll be playing, able to figure it out eventually. Right. I, I, I guess that's the plan. And that, play, okay. Yeah, he's going to play the long game. I think, yeah, at some point, he probably just, I think he's trying to get to the skipper and, you know, either yeah. kill him or steal you know, the right, other half right. of the map here. So, yeah, this phantom just keeps kind of showing, he's almost like a ghost. Like he just kind of shows up everywhere and he, you know, ultimately shows he's walking around this island. We're not quite sure how he got there. Like there's no other boat that we see docked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, they so they show up on this island eventually. Um, and it's, you know, kind of a really quick scene. So they're, you know, hanging around and then stuff, um, disappears, kind of goes into the back room. He starts setting up all his gadgets to start, you know, scaring everybody. And, um, we kind of have that, uh, that, that's that scene and it's all over, um, the internet kind of that that gag scene of when they're panning across the, f- the floor jim i don't know if you'd heard about this or you, you noticed it but one of the camera guys is clearly in view kind of no kinda, oh yeah once they, they get, first there, get to the castle he's yeah when they're in the castle he's lighting the lights and there's a camera uh, guy kind of off on the right um it, clearly visible so it's kind of fun you, anyone is you know and again room. again it's like that thing where they were like you know how many people got a chance to actually look at that and then um you know, did they think like, hey, you know what? It's it's, you know, the the kiddies are going to see this one time, and then they don't care and everything like that. So yeah, it's amazing. I mean, but you know, it, again, it's it's the it's the coke can in the scene in Game of Thrones that happened a year or two ago. Remember that everyone was all all talking about too and stuff. This stuff does happen, and as many people look at it, you never know. Sometimes things get get through. So I'm watching that scene right now, and I don't see them, but. I'll, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that scene. I think it's just when they first get in and Bill's lighting the lights, so we get to yeah. see him panning across. But whatever, it's kind of it. Kind of I'll fun. look online to see if uh, yeah. if I can find just that shot and they can they can highlight him and stuff. Um, I wonder if they cleaned uh, it up because I was watching the Blu-ray, so I'm watching probably the same one that you are. That Volume Three Universal Collection. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering if they like they cropped it out or. Oh yeah, see, I'm watching on regular DVD. I have it on just a, a collected set I got for like I think say a Captive Wild Woman or something. I okay. I don't have the Scream Factory one yet, so maybe maybe only in the uh, thing. So um, it, again, it's it's a great set. I do think it's definitely the same set for Night Monster that they used a year later. So they just took the same set and, and redid it, and they film it a little differently. Um, and obviously, there's different actors, you know, on it, and and they're 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 lighting it a little. Um, 
Uh, so, but I, th- I mean, as a, as a set, it, it's a super effective. It's great. Oh, it does. It looks great. And yeah, I remember, you know, some of those cobblestones from tower of London and, but mm-hmm. it is, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So yeah. yeah, shortly after they get in the, in the, this castle, we get some attempted murder. So it's the skipper who is, I think he's you know going around. He's immediately gets to work looking for this treasure to his right. credit. Like he's not there to have a good time. He's looking here to find the, find yeah. the, the, the booty. So he's yeah, tapping he, on he's the He's not wall. really interested in this get rich quick scheme. Bill was running. He's, he's interested in, you know, the oh, no, no, no. Yeah, he wants to find the goods. He's happy to help out as long as it gets him to the, to the Island. Yeah. That's right. So he's uh, tapping on the walls looking for, you know, a secret passage or whatever. And then we see a um, kind of a suit of armor, you know, kind of not comes alive, but there's a crossbow and yeah. the, the, the boat, the crossbow, the, um, the wire sets pulling back. And basically the arrow gets shot and almost kills the skipper. So, yeah. um, you know, I guess that's kind of, uh, you know, try number one of the phantom trying to knock off, um, trying to knock off the skipper and basically get this map. Yeah. He's definitely after the, after this, the skipper for sure. Yeah. The skipper's got like a, a, I think it's a belaying pin that he uses to tap on everything, which is a, a, I do know this about boats. It's the thing where you, you, you wrap a bunch of rope around and you stick the pin in there. And then if you just pull the pin out of the thing, the rope comes loose. So that's why it's called a belaying pin. Um, But he kind of uses as a cudgel, as a club, as a, as a you know as again to, to search for things it's, it's his go-to kind of thing um yeah but this arrow like almost almost nails him and you know dicks or I mean, i'm sorry bill is like like what's stuff doing this is you know we're supposed to be scaring these people this is actually dangerous right right kind of yells at stuff and then you know surely this, after- this goes on for a while like he keeps not accepting the fact that and stuff's like i'm not doing any of this stuff so <laughs> i just love the idea that they're they're running this scam right but but there's someone here who's playing for real that's right. And, and, um, and, and again, like, like I was, I was saying before we started recording, like, like I'm, I'm a huge Scooby-Doo fan. I love that, that first, you know, generation of the sixties Scooby-Doo cartoon. Um, and you think about this, this is 41. This is right around the right time where like the, the, the guys who did Scooby-Doo and, and things like that, and the, the monsters and things like that would have grown up seeing this yeah this this is the type of stuff they would have been going to the matinees and going to see and so you can see i always talk about the the long shadow but you can see the fingerprints really of of this movie especially on something like scooby-doo it's the formula it it and and this formula didn't always exist in this format you know uh, where like you know the 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 the, the monster or, or whatever the, the keeper of the haunted house or something like that turns out to just be someone trying to scare people away as they're trying to get treasure. Right. I mean, we see it a little bit in, is it Mark of the vampire? It, it's all, Oh, sh- it's all a scam. Yeah. Did it is, just, yeah. Just spoil that. Oh my God. I spoiled Mark of the vampire. Oh geez. Yeah. Just yeah, <laughs> Mark of the vampire. Terrific movie. You can probably cut out the last yes. like three minutes, but this yes. is, and you call it a gym. This is total Scooby-Doo to the, yeah. the fact that you've got like, you know, this phantom, this faceless phantom, you know, you see like these walls are op- opening up. And they disappear right. in the walls and the walls close. I mean, how Scooby-Doo secret, is secret that? Secret passages oh in and out, God. you know? Yeah, Fantastic. all the all the fun stuff. The, and the cast of goofy characters, you know, yep. collected and stuff. You know, it's 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 literally like, it's, you know, this, it's taking things like Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians and it's taking like Castle of Otranto and, and real gothic literature stuff. And it's adapting it into a con- what would have then been a contemporary story that's just fun. And it's, you know, it's spooky, but it's fun too. Definitely. Anyway. Yeah, the the stakes are not super high. You you get the feeling like 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 it's not like stuff is going to get killed halfway through the movie and and Bill's going to go on a, a revenge rampage right to to get his killer. Like you're reasonably sure you're going to get out of this movie without 
that much emotional investment and you can sit back and just again enjoy it for it it's what it what it is yeah i mean they lose a couple of people we'll get there but um yeah you know yeah, but no one we care about <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's that's the goal all we need uh, is yeah. cold water to go down and you know yeah. but yeah, anyway but again, they're, um, they're back to the thing they're, they're you know you know you know bill and stuff are, are running a scam but someone here is actually doing this for real and actually trying to hurt people and now because because it's their responsibility that everyone's here on this island thing in this haunted castle they're like well we're gonna have to be responsible for taking care of this yeah i mean shortly thereafter wendy is you know kind of walking down beside yeah. another you know suit of armor and then that armor falls down and bill oh my god i mean you, you go back and look at that scene he basically and these are just act, uh stuntmen of course he like chop blocks you know this I don't know if it's hopefully Ed's a guy with like a long wig on. He, man, he tackles oh man. her. Tackles in a, in a, her. Yeah. 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 That's Jesus a real tackle. Christ. I don't know. And she yeah. like jumped. And of course, it's a cutscene because it's not actually the two right. actors doing this. So she, you know, cutscene to them on the floor. And she's like, yeah, gee, I don't know when I, oh, I, whatever she said, but she basically not even phased. And this stunt person got absolutely crushed. <laughs> that, was a, that was a line tackle. Yeah. That oh was, my God. That's pretty, from behind, too. It was like right like behind the knee. Oh. Like it was a nasty tackle, yeah. but yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that kind of gets, I think, you know, Bill seeing Wendy, you know, in danger kind of gets his uh, his radar up a little bit and basically says, okay, we've had enough excitement for the night. Everyone go to bed. Right. So, and you see the phantom lurking upstairs and watching them right, and, right. you know, um, uh, so, yeah, so he he says, like, let's all go to bed and, you know, we'll search for, I guess, I guess the idea is they'll search for treasure tomorrow. Like, is that the, the they're, we're a little unclear about what the itinerary yeah, is. How hard. long do they get to stay here? How long, you know? Yeah, they're tired. Um, I mean, they've been on this boat for six hours, yeah. and now they've just had two. You know, the skipper almost got hit by an arrow, and Wendy almost got crushed by arrow. Right, like right. let's just go the freak to bed. Yeah, yeah and yeah. they do. So Bill takes them around, and Wendy, you know, has this great little room, and she's you know getting ready for bed, and um, hops in, and then as she's, I don't think she's her back turned, but the Phantom now all of a sudden is in you know Wendy's room, hidden. And then, you know, licks his fingers or whatever, puts out her candle. She turns around, lights a candle again, has a, you know, a couple of you know, little quick remarks. Right. Um, thinking it's it's Bill and stuff, just trying to scare her. And then she goes to bed. And I think for the first time, this is when I got the real, you know, John Carradine look, is that you see the phantom kind of looking over her sleeping and his face is all lit up and it's it's totally Carradine. Oh, I mean, yeah, they underlight him and stuff like that. It's a great shot. And it's like, you know, there, there's sort of supernatural spectral horror and there's there's that kind of, you know, spookiness and stuff. And then there's just the idea of being a woman and waking up and there's a man standing over your bed and you're, you know, in your nightgown and stuff like that. Like that alone is just, it's honestly like really, like, I think it's, maybe it's more chilling now than even it would have been then. It's just like the, you know, the, in, the implications that are really freaky. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's probably I mean, the scariest moment in the film. I mean, it's probably the one you're like, oh, that's actually really freaky. Um, I mean, it's almost something out of like Dracula. You, know, you see the sleeping woman yeah. who's totally vulnerable with this, like, yeah. you know, this thing over her. Yeah. Um, but he's not going to like turn her into a vampire. He's actually like menacing her in 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 with with, with something, you know. But th there's a great, I mean, and and you'll any anytime you if you look up the film, there's a great still of you know it's her lying in the bed, and you see this phantom shadow on the wall, and he's got these amazing long claw like fingers in the. The big nose and stuff. That's why I always say, like, I'm, I mean, he really does look like the shadow. And I think maybe he's supposed to look a little bit like the shadow, actually. So I think um, just so the motivation of the Phantom, and I'm just asking this out loud. So yeah. I guess his, his thought is if he can scare Wendy enough that she wants to leave, that'll basically clear the island, right? Is this He'll get everyone off the island. He's yeah, I mean, his I, attention I think on her versus is, other people. 
Yeah, I think his goal, I mean, this is too many people. This is this is not going to work for him because he can't, I don't think he can search for the treasure. Um, you know, what if you go to the end of the film and you know what his rationale is and stuff, you know, it, it, he's after the same thing, obviously, that the skipper is. And he sees all these people in here as, as an impediment to, you know, completing his, what, what he's after. So, right. Um, Wendy he... sees him and, and promptly faints, which is, yeah, maybe, maybe her only kind of bad moment yeah. uh, in the film. You're like, all right, but you know, it's, it's pretty creepy. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I would faint, but I might, I might get pretty scared. It is. If I yeah, woke up again, and saw that, was... that dude standing over my bed. Yeah, now that again, that was the only really eye roll moment for for up until now. Wendy's been a really strong character, and yeah. from this point on, you know, she kind of falls into you know the nineteen thirties, forties trope woman. Mm-hmm. You know, sees and again, I'm not. Oh my gosh, like Bryce get to death, free, uh, screeches and faints, and then yeah. you know he kind of the phantom disappears again, um, and basically, I'm trying to think. Of, I think Bill Bill runs into the room. Oh no! Oh god. Yeah, Bill, Bill Bill and stuff run into the room, yeah. and this is this is where they have the other conversation of like you know he's like oh man stuff really scared you didn't because because wendy's in on the thing when wendy knows that they're just doing this as a scam and right, and wendy scammers. doesn't care she's she's along for like kind of the fun of watching them try to scare these people i mean that's the that's the the goal um uh so he thinks stuff was the guy you know who's standing over her bed with an eerie face and he's like ha ah, stuff she thinks you have a really scary face and she's like it wasn't stuff it was just it doesn't look anything like it was another guy and that's the moment bill's like we have a problem here, you know? Yeah. Oh, after she, yeah, right. Exactly. After she admits that, all right, you, so you were terrified. Okay. I don't owe you any money. All right, great. And kind of wipes his legs clean. <laughs> yeah, that's, what's and then, that's he starts, first then he starts to worry about her. As long as he knows, like he doesn't owe anything for this, this car. Right. Of course. Right? That, that's his main thing. <laughs> um, but he, uh, you know, and then, and then this is going to, you know, uh, follow with him checking on all the, all the, the other guests to make sure they're in this bed. He's, you know, the process of elimination, like who was in, who was in Wendy's room and he's going to go around. Um, there's a great little scene we skipped by um, uh, just, just before the scene where the, the, after they all go to bed, the first person we see is the professor um, mm. sit, sitting in his bed and he's got the radio on and, and it's playing this kind of old, like inner sanctums type um, type mystery thing, which I don't know if it's a real one or, or if it's something they created specifically for the film, but it's, it definitely has that inner sanctum type type of like, Ooh, you know, definitely. scary radio thing. And he's reading a, a like a comic, like a pulp book or a comic book, with, and the title is "Headless Corpse," which I just love. The, <laughs> and but then he's scared out of his mind. The, the funny thing about the professor is that he loves these things that are scary, but they actually do scare him, and he gets all freaked out. I know. I mean, I don't. Not to fast forward too far. I don't, I don't want to give yeah. away the uh, kind of the the twist at the end. But even when you know the professor's alone, he seems extremely skittish. Yes. No. But but then again, I don't I don't want to get too far ahead. But but he um, cashes in these bonds so that he can he can go on this trip. So at the same right, time, right. you know, he's kind of drawn by the thing. Um, there's some great uh uh, uh shots here when they're in Wendy's room. Uh, that um, the the cinematographer gets uh, his last name's Elwood. I forget his first name. Um, but he did a bunch of he did he did uh like Don Juan and he shot Night Monster too. I'll, I'll look up his name. Um. The close-ups of, of of Peggy Moran and stuff. There's this like beautiful lighting and soft focus on her, and then in some of the romantic scenes, he actually shoots Dick Fran the same way, um, very much like, uh, I mean, like some something out of out of Casablanca or something like that. Like the film is shot really nicely. The camera moves a lot um, for a film shot in you know twelve days. I'm just saying, like you know, and that's what Universal could do. They could bring 
you know, if, if someone wasn't working and they had this little thing to show, they, they would bring in like a really high end cinematographer and be like, you're shooting horror Island this two weeks. And the guy's like, Oh geez. All right, fine. You know? <laughs> um, but you know, and George Wagner's up and coming at this point, maybe, you know, he wanted this guy. Um, they, but they're shooting it. You have to understand it as a studio with all their resources, even though this is, it's again, it's, it's 12 days and it's whatever like that. They have the same access to, to, cameras and lenses and lights and sound stages music and and even some to some degree the talent of of any of the bigger films and that's why again like you know a film like this shot on a budget on a on a tight schedule really punches above its weight yeah i mean you've said a bunch of times and you know past past podcasts just how filmmaking is so different now yeah. in 2021 than it was in the 30s and 40s like you just had yeah. these contract players where like yeah literally you could have we you know always use them as an example like a dwight fry who could yeah. be Renfield in one film and he's like reporter number five in the next film. So yeah, right, like, right. to your point, like they've got this huge sound score, um, these sets and everything. So um, yeah, all the, all these resources they can bring to bear on something that, that normally would look pretty, pretty cruddy and sound even worse and stuff, but they've got, you know, the, this audio on this is, is great and stuff. They just had all these resources. They could even, even appropriate to their B films yeah. um, or C films or whatever this counts as at this moment. Um, so the, so, um, so, you know rod and arlene are in their room and they're kind of like bickering and stuff and she's anxious to get going on this and you know he's he's cleaning his gun uh in a, in an immensely unsafe way he's literally got his he's he's putting the magazine in i'm watching it right now he's putting the magazine into in, into the handle of the gun while the barrel is pointed directly at his belly yeah. possibly his crotch even um but this is the scene you mentioned earlier uh scott where where you know she wants to leave and he says no and he grabs her and spins her and throws her on the the bed and he almost looks like he's gonna he's gonna backhand her and stuff. yeah and he's he's an unpleasant fella so the you know when when you know spoilers when he's the first one to go we're not like oh no you know we're like yeah okay Right. Immediately she, yeah, you start feeling, you know, some, some sympathies for her and you get to know that she's probably not. I mean, we, at this point, we don't, we learn, I guess, a little bit later on that he's a bank robber. They don't mention Arlene. Yeah. I think Arlene is just kind of the tag along, um, you know, the girlfriend or actually probably wife because they share the same last name. But he basically yeah. robbed a bank, this rod, and now is on the run. And right. she wants no part of it. She basically just, you know, she's almost an unwilling accomplice exactly. to this rod. Um, so so they're being all, a pretty sympathetic character. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So basically we learn and I'll fast forward a little bit. So basically the whole reason that Rod and Arlene are on this island is they want to steal the boat. So basically right. I think their plot was, or their, their ideas were to get on this island, wait for everyone to go to bed and then steal Bill's boat. And then they just said to sail off to a foreign country to get yeah, away from yeah, the Yeah, Cause he's, he's wanted and they're watching the trains <laughs> and the, the you know other, you know, other and, yeah. you know, ships and or other whatever whatever other you know means of escape he would have in in 41 um so so it's it's not a bad plan i mean it's a if, great plan oh man if one if, thing if that rod is, did the one thing yeah. that rod did right like this is this, well, yeah this yeah is yeah like i mean he, he, he i guess he's a good you know thief and, and and criminal um is this is there any indication in this scott of where this is supposed to be set is this supposed to be set in california is this set in new england is it set in florida uh, it's man again we're, we're totally we, area specific do we right? say unit do we say just typical universal like i know you get the kid on the dock who's got like like that brooklyn queen's accent yeah got, no, you know, exactly. guys are like this Eng- kind of an english accent i mean dick moran is you know kind of new york um yeah i don't yeah i mean it feels like maybe you know east coast maybe 
I guess it could be. So, so are they trying to get to Canada then? I'm just, I'm just wondering like if it's because if they're in California, then they're maybe trying to get to Mexico. If they're in Florida, they're probably trying to get to Cuba. And if they're in New England, maybe they're trying to get to Canada. Yeah. I don't know, whatever their Rod escape seemed, plan. Rod feels very New York. I think Eileen's kind of New York. I'm thinking it's probably, yeah, it's probably like East yeah. coast. Yeah. yeah. It's probably East coast where, I mean, because because you, you're east coast right you have a lot of those islands with gothic castles off the coast right absolutely i'm actually in one right now if you could believe it it's <laughs> all crazy. over the place yeah <laughs> in my dungeon right now podcasting is <laughs> um, the best wi-fi in the house is actually in the dungeon so, so ironically it's right it must be all the suits of armor are, are helping conduct it right <laughs> um yeah uh but, it's uh yeah so so uh so before we move, we move on too fast, so one thing, you know, it, it's a really, really, really quick scene, but it's kind of important. I'll, I'll put in quotations. It's it's kind of stupid, but it's important for the plot point. So meanwhile, we see this Professor Jasper sleepwalking mm. through the halls, and he's got like the Bella, I, in my note, the Bella Lugosi monster, like the outstretched arms, right? Eyes yeah. wide open. Uh, so he's just like he's wandering around, like he's like this chronic sleepwalker. Yes, he's a um, he's a somnambulist. Uh, he, yes. he walks into sleep. Yes, right. With his uh, with his slippers on, I guess that becomes yeah. And his point. night, his long night coat and stuff, and it's just he, kind of funny. And then he, he he sort of does that through pretty much the rest of the film. Yeah, like anytime something interesting is going on and he wants to know what's going on, he's kind of like becomes a sleepwalker, and, and we'll yeah. get to it. It's kind of the, the final twist at the end. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, basically. So I'm just going to keep. I mean, Ron and Arlene, Rod, Rod and Arlene, Bonnie and Clyde are leaving the house. So they both determine that everyone's asleep. It's now time to um, get away on this boat. They're, so so they bring Wendy downstairs to sleep in front of the fire, right? Um, uh, for for safety, I guess, and 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 stuff is going to keep kind of keep an eye on her. Um, so so Bill and and Wendy and and stuff are all you know down by the fire. They hear a noise. Bill goes to check uh, the. Uh, because they've got this kind of room that has all this radio equipment and a loudspeaker and you know, kind of fully like sound effect stuff that that stuff is using to mimic the sounds of ghosts and thunder and rattling and stuff to try and scare the the people away. But <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but the Phantom keeps using it to to <laughs> for his own purposes to try and scare people. Um, the, he they hear his voice that, that that Wendy heard in her room eventually saying like leave the island, leave the island, you know. And Bill goes to check on it and the Phantom runs away, but Bill finds the the tubes and everything are still warm from him using the radio. So, you know, it, it Bill is a little, there's, there's a little Jonathan Harker kind of like slow on the uptake yeah. of like accepting that something really is, someone else really is there on the island but he's he does- the last he's the last one to get there he's so quick to blame stuff for every little thing but yeah it's finally in, like to you to your point jim when they're finally in front of the fire kind of putting wendy to bed for a second time yeah. and it's you know leave the castle leave and then right. bill's like oh shit there's somebody else you know obviously it's obviously it's not stuff there's someone else doing this so then he leaves it's seemingly wendy falls asleep like immediately because shortly after that we right. see you know bonnie and clyde then leaving the house. Yeah. Right? They kind yeah, of come down yeah. the stairs and he kind of rod looks over and you know sees her sleeping. He's like, all right, good riddance. And they leave, um, you know, in kind of a quick cut scene back in the house. And then we hear a gunshot, a yeah. single gunshot. And of course, you know, the cast of characters runs outside to see what's going on. And they find rod dead, you know, on kind of down on the dock with no boat. Yeah. Well, well, rod, rod and her have gone out there and realized the boat's not there. Um, and and this this also seems strange because if if you want to follow the we'll do air quotes logic of the film, um, 
the Phantom's trying to make them leave the island. So why would the Phantom take their boat away? Because you know that doesn't help him complete his his goal, obviously, of getting everyone off the island. So so now as, a, as an audience, and and I will say like this is really neat. Where like you know we've got the obvious Phantom, right? Like the okay, this guy's a bad operator, and this guy's you know we're seeing him more than the you know the actors or, or the the main cast is is aware of him. But now we're starting to be like, well, wait, wait, now what's happening? Because this doesn't seem to be to to follow to make sense. And Makes, well, we right. find out it does make sense in the end of the movie. So there's there's a little more complicated stuff going on than than maybe uh, at first glance you would give it the film credit for. Yeah, this is when you really have to stop paying attention. And there, there ultimately is a logic. And I'll use air quotes. There, there is kind yeah. of a logic to all this. Yeah. Um, and we'll get up. there. So, yeah, we fi- we figure out at some point, you know, the Phantom does kill Rod, but we don't know that. But basically, so the Phantom is wearing a little peg thing on his shoe. So basically what the Phantom is trying to do is incriminate the skipper. Yes. Right. So, they, you know, they right by Rod's body is footprints. It's, a, you know, a shoe print with a um, kind of a peg, you know, yeah, peg like marking. Peg there. Yeah, so right. Of course, everyone thinks now that the skipper is the culprit that he's he's killed him so the logic of the movie is if skipper i guess is arrested or taken into custody phantom somehow is going to get his half of the map um yeah i i mean i i just still think that the phantom i think the phantom thinks that he can find the treasure just with his half of the map he just needs everyone else out of the way so i think that's you know, it's not his ideal plan but having not gotten that second part of the map you'd think he would just spend his time trying to kill the skipper while he's down in the basement alone doing the stuff, right? right? I mean, instead of scaring everyone else off, why not just do that? And that's why uh, when I say logic, I use air quotes. Yeah, no, so. again, I, I'm trying to, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I'm not saying okay. any of this is right or wrong, but again, the logic of the movie is, so the Phantom went through this effort to, you know, to, you know, change up his shoe to look like a, a, a peg leg. So he's yeah. trying to frame the skipper for Rod's death, right? Because whether that's to get him off the island, so that yeah. no one else is looking for the treasure. I guess that makes more sense. Or to- I guess so. And we also find out later, spoilers that that they have a history. So I think, right. in, in addition to achieving his ends, I think if he can somehow, you know, foul up the skipper's life, uh, that's just you know gravy on top, right? So that's the reason, I guess, if there's a motive for Rod's death. It's that. So basically the Phantom's trying to frame the skipper for whatever reason. So yeah, Rod is found dead. Um, the sergeant comes out and it, you know, immediately, you know, starts questioning Arlene, um, you know, thinking that she might be the culprit. Yes. So that he takes her away and they kind of have a little business with, you know, the gun and you know, he's counting the bullets and, and, and blah, he, blah blah blah. He's trying to figure out how to open the gun and she's like, Here, here's how you do it. And he hands it to her and she just points it right at his belly, the loaded gun <laughs> in his belly. So he's just he's really not he's not good. Yeah. He's not, he's um, not very good. Yeah. And then and then he lets her go for the meantime because the her story adds up that she fired one shot and and it's only her gun's only missing one bullet so you know whatever and then she leaves and then we we had a scene earlier where we didn't see where the 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 professor is sleepwalking and someone reaches out and grabs him and pulls him in right right so she goes to untie the professor and we realized that that she she I mean I figure it's mostly it was her idea um you're like oh she tied up the professor and she she says well we didn't want you falling down some stairs or something while you're sleepwalking so. It was actually like a nice thing that they did. To yeah, you have the to stress. It was like for his own good. And now, now that he's awake, she'll just untie him. You'd have to assume it's probably her idea. I don't think Rod kids one way or another. If you know, maybe it's just. I, yeah, keep... I, I think Rod would happily watch the guy fall down the stairs. Oh, absolutely, and just kind of snicker and twirl his, yeah, yeah. twirl his cane, and you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but but now downstairs again, we have we have Bill and and stuff, and uh, and um, Wendy, 
uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do. Now there's now there's a body count. Now there's you know they're they're mm-hmm. growingly aware of the the danger they're in, and that's kind of fun to watch. Um, the skipper shows up and says, "Oh, I, I found something. You'll need to come downstairs." Uh, you know, and and so they they follow him down into the uh, into the dungeon. Bill and you know stuff are like we're keeping an eye on this guy because again they don't know they've they've seen the, the the peg print next to rod's body and they're not they're not sure about this guy is this guy a friend or is this guy that's right leading them into their own whatever yeah so but yeah brings them down to this uh, the torture room and yes. uh you know skipper's really he's man i give i give him credit he's working he has not stopped the whole time he's been on the island he's working hard he's knocking on walls yeah. blah 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 he's you know really trying to decipher this map so the down in this torture room it basically says they need i guess a clue on the map is they need to have a I mean, they say a dead body, but basically a body to sit in this chair yeah. for whatever it was. It's, it's part of the clues or it's kind of I'm thinking like the Goonies, like you have to do one thing for something else to happen. So someone has to sit in this chair. So, of course, they say, oh, stuff, you know, you you, you get in that chair. Yeah. yeah so stuff sits in the chair um, per the map instructions. And then a whole kind of opens up like in a trap door underneath the right. chair. So stuff falls through it and he falls into this little room. And the skipper immediately runs over and says, you know, look for a small chest. It's going to be a small chest, which stuff ultimately does find. So, yes. you know, sends a chest up, up, you know, to the next level. They pull stuff up and there's basically a coin, like a Spanish, you know, Amada coin or, you know, something, whatever it is. Right. That um, they took a look at. Yeah. Um, there, there's a scene where they first come into the, the, the dungeon and it's a wide shot and you can see the skipper's peg leg. And I'm I'm pretty sure they they had a stand in. For him and they shot it just just right enough you can see it's when they first come in the, the dungeon room where his head's turned just a little bit and i think they dubbed over uh carillo's voice in onto him and i i've never noticed before i was just watching i was like that it totally sells like they they doubled him right with someone who who actually was an amputee and walking on a peg leg which you know maybe that's its own skill set too i'm not sure if if someone used to using a prosthetic leg just can naturally do a peg um uh yeah, and 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 it just sells, and it's just those things that like very subtly you never question the fact that this actor who you know, y- you know, innately you kind of know only has two legs, um, has just the one. And it's just you know, I, again, that's that's tricky and that's expensive. You got to pay the extra actor to come in and do his bid and stuff. Um, that's anyway, small. it's, it's a nice little thing nice to color of, it. It's a nice piece of detail, and again, this is George yeah. Wagner. I mean, he's yeah. he's a he's a pro, and. Yeah, yeah. He again. I, you know, I think I called him a journeyman earlier, and I shouldn't have done that because he wasn't a journeyman. He was, he was an auteur, and he really, you know, he's growing here. You know, he does this, and then he does, um, uh, man-made monster, and then he does Wolfman. You know, he earns up to the point where, where, where we see him doing like those bigger uh, pictures and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And you can have- see Universal going like, "Here's a guy we're going to kind of keep nurturing because he's." This guy's going places, right? No, I mean, maybe he's a journeyman, but he does have a nice. And again, you, you could appreciate this a lot more than I could, Jim, as a director. But he does have a very nice attention to detail. Yes. Again, you no, look like exactly. man-made monster with like Chaney and, and the dog, yeah. like just like these little scenes that are really, you know, you, very they, they go by so characters, very agreeable, yes. yeah, yeah. like characters that, that you really sympathize with, and you feel like you know, like they're they're the types of people you're like, I kind of know that type of person. Like I get, I, I know a Lawrence Talbot or I know, yeah, I know a Dan, you know, like stuff like that. And, and just like that, I, I feel like I know a stuff and I know, I know mm-hmm. a Bill Moran and, you know, yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, anyway, so they come back upstairs and, and, you know, someone has written nine left on, on the right. wall, which, which has to do with the fact that there were 10 of them. And now, now Rod is no longer there. So now there are only, um, 
yeah, this many left. Um, as they're talking, the the skipper once more is is you know look reading the map, and the the uh, the 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 suit of armor turns, shoots the arrow, and it and it hits somebody. They hit. It turns out there's somebody behind the curtain, you know, lurking around, that that gets an arrow through the heart, and it turns out to be the Phantom. Yeah, so somebody is hunting and killing the Phantom. I think the original thought, or the the early thoughts, which you, you know. You, be hard not to disagree with was that the phantom you know spring loaded this arrow to shoot and accidentally killed himself and that's kind of the running theory i think until, yeah and that that's sort of what they they believe right right um, until the end of the movie uh, until yeah. we learn you know kind of the, the twist but the thought yeah. is the phantom accidentally killed himself while trying to kill the skipper right. so yeah now we have this this dead phantom and i guess you know if this was an hour and a half long movie this would sort of be the end of the second half would be and you know oh, oh wait a minute it's not the phantom and stuff's still happening so what's going on you know as it is we're 48 minutes in the film and we only have about you know 10 left or, or so so um you know it's whatever it is. um but we find out the phantom is actually panama pete which i think is a great name um and he was on the boat the the backstory is that the skipper found the map floating in a cask somewhere when he was on a boat back in the day and you know da, 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 da. um and 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 split the map in half and put it two separate places just to be safe uh panama pete was his shipmate right on the right. boat then right and is is after this thing too so he this is what he's been doing the whole time he's been kind of like he's actually following the skipper trying to you know do this um the side effect of of panama pete now you know laying on the floor as a as a, as a corpse now is that he they have his half of the map too so now they have both halves of the map yeah, I think the skipper made just a passing line that, you know, Panama Pete was there when I first found the map. So, you know, mm-hmm. he's always kind of been, you know, goes always after the skipper now to get this this map. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so he's dead and um, really quick. So I kind of it, it does have to play in the, the movie. So really quick when they find that small treasure chest in the coin you know, the skipper takes a coin and gives it to Wendy. So right. keep in mind, Wendy now has possession of this coin. Exactly. While so, somewhere in her very thin robe has the, a coin uh, possessed. <laughs> I'm not sure, and Bill not sure where to... her pockets are, but let's just, we'll, we'll, we'll give it to him. And Bill would be very happy to go looking for the coin. Just saying. Yes, exactly. Well, th- there's all this thing where, you know, so, so Wendy spends, you know, three, you know, a, a, at least a third, if not a half of the movie in this nightgown, this, you know, kind of flimsy. So she puts on, this this robe over it which is completely transparent and i'm not sure what the point of the robe is really because it doesn't really but it looks yeah. nice it looks nice when she's walking and swishing and stuff you know it is and this is postcode so you know yeah 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 so we got it we got it yeah you know, thing. um you know um and now so so now that um uh the the phantom's gone they look up and they see that the nine has been crossed out and it says eight left right which which is interesting because it means that whoever is keeping count was counting the phantom as one of the people on the list, which means them assuming that one of those people was the, the killer or was one of their own people is not. So, right. You know, I mean, here it's we not, go. It's not Rod, right? Yeah. He's dead. It's not the phantom. So who the hell? Yeah. Since, right. I mean, the phantom was, is now the next victim. So now, yes. now they're down to eight. Yeah. So at this point, you know, Bill, sees this and, and runs off to go, you know, do his, his best sleuthing leaves yeah. Wendy by herself. And then we see that Scooby-Doo hidden wall open up and basically yeah. like this great arm just reaches out and yanks her into <laughs> the secret it's passage. Literally, it is literally like in the credits, in the opening credits of Scooby-Doo is the, the thing opens and a hand comes it's out. Great. It's the funniest thing. Um, uh, 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 George, uh, who proves to be a little bit more capable than we kind of gave him credit for and maybe a little less 
just a little less skidgy. Uh, not a whole lot, a little. Um, uh, George goes up to to Magoon's room and gets gets the gun that I guess he took off of 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 oh, Rod, Rod. Yeah. Or, or or that or that that um or that Arlene had right. Arlene right. took off of Rod right after he was killed and shot at the Phantom. Uh, Magoon takes it from him, and then and then George takes it from him. It's, it's a little. It, I don't want to call it convoluted because it makes sense. It's like okay, the, this gun just keeps changing hands. Yeah. Um, and well, it's technically, it back- I guess, the only gun on the island, so it's it it gives whoever has it a certain amount of safety. Well, that isn't um, loaded because Magoon, as you remember, t- as he's counting the bullets, took all the yeah. bullets out of this gun. So George now has a gun that isn't loaded, which yeah. of course he doesn't know. And he sees he sees Wendy kidnapped, and he and he tries to follow. Right. Um, so uh meanwhile yeah yeah uh bill and uh and and the skipper and stuff are downstairs and they're um they're searching for the treasure right and and there's like a booby trap or something there is so yeah at this point you know wendy is now you know has been taken away in a secret passage george is after her so it's basically skip the skipper um stuff and bill so now that he has both halves of the map he reads kind of the you know, what he needs, what what they need to do to find this treasure. So there's right. a little limerick, or not a limerick, but it's basically take the coin, you pick <laughs> up. <a> dirty limerick. <laughs> Say limerick. There once was a man from Nantucket. There once was a man from yeah, yeah, except for Horror Island. Because this is probably New England. So anyway, take take basically take the coin that you pick up, which is oh, you, right. know, you guys remember the coin that was found in the little treasure. That's now in Wendy's possession. So this now is, this is going to come into play with the plot here. Take this coin and put it in a handle slot. That's so right. that you know what handle what slot so long story short they see an axe you know up on the wall so it's basically the handle in this axe and they do see like a like a, like a gumball machine of the old it's, yeah it's like, like a coin operating machine which is a really yes. neat idea for like it's totally. i mean it's this old spanish fortune right and you know with a doubloon or whatever like that and then and it's actually operated like a like a gumball machine, like you said, which is a great idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. And of course, they don't have the coin. So Wendy yeah. you know, has the coin. They don't know where Wendy is. Um, and this is kind of starts now the uh, kind of the, the hide and seek mission to go find where the heck Wendy went. Right. They run back upstairs. They see uh, the, 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 the wording has been changed again. And now eight's been crossed out and seven are left. Right. And we're like, oh, no, seven. Does that mean? you know wendy's dead um and they find out it's not wendy it's actually george right who's been stuffed in the uh the, the, the suit of armor falls again and they're like oh it fell again and for some reason they decide to look at it and then they realize that george is is inside it and and george is george is dead george is dead or not but... george it's not george it's it's the other guy right it's no um, it's no it's george yeah no george. cousin cousin george was killed and okay. you know when he went looking for Wendy, um, I think I'm trying to think if they hear a gunshot or whatever it was. Um, yeah. but basically his gun fails. So yeah, as they're walking through the house, that suit of armor falls, they run over to it, the mask comes off, and it's cousin George. Right. Um, and then so this, of course, is, the print- this is real for Bill now. I mean, this isn't just some gangster right. guy he was giving a ride to. This is his cousin, even if he wasn't, you know, you know, on the best of terms with them, you know. Um and the professor faints, of course. So he's, yes, of you know, course, the professor you know, faints, right? <laughs> of course. Because running down the stairs, sees the body and faints. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, they're obviously just you know terrified that something's happened to Wendy. So they all split up. So I think they ask um, stuff to stay with the professor who's now unconscious or, you know, maybe slowly coming to. And uh-huh. the rest of them split up to search the house to try to find Wendy. Right. And then Magoon goes out to look at, to check on Rod, who apparently they've just left his body laying <laughs> in the water, which cracks me up. There's been no effort to oh like, I mean, I know he's a gangster. He probably has a mom, right? I mean, 
<laughs> you know, just leave them out there for the flies and rats. It's too funny. No, at one point, there's like, yeah, there's like at least two bodies going around. And it brought, I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is 1985's Clue. And there's a, oh, yeah. great, there's a great line in the movie. He's like, oh, I think it's Carl Master talking to somebody. He's like, oh, is everything all right? He's like, yep, two corpses. Everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, all these people are just like, and Wendy's like smiling. She's like, oh, I just want to, re- I just need a vacation. Meanwhile, there's like corpses laying all over the place. Yes, exactly. It's too funny. Uh, so Bill goes upstairs for some reason. Was he, is he, is he, he's looking for Wendy, but then winds up in the professor's room and oh. then, you know, see, maybe he finds those slippers. Oh, which right. again, quote unquote, I don't, whatever. Like, finds the slippers, and I, I had to go back and watch this. I'm like, what the hell is he looking at? Like, why? Why do these slippers even make sense? Why do they matter? Um, so I don't. I don't want to go too 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 fast here, but yeah, basically, finds slippers, and then hears screaming. Um, so runs downstairs, and then he finds the professor laying on the ground, like a broken chair, or whatever. And basically, at that point, because he's found these slippers, he's kind of now he's put the bills, put the pieces together that the professor, because nobody would sleepwalk in slippers, that's just impossible, right? So because oh, because the professor right. was sleepwalking with slippers, it's it's clearly a ruse. Um, and yeah, which is a little weak, but we'll we'll give it to him and stuff. But right. um, uh, yeah, yeah. He so now he's kind of on to it, and and I think it's a great reveal that like so so the 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 professor who loves mystery and noir stuff is is now inspired, you know, to run his own, you know, kind of kind of thing. And there's a great moment where I always joke about. I was somewhere one time when I and I wasn't wearing my glasses and someone I knew decently well didn't recognize me. And this, my joke is that the, the Clark Kent thing everyone makes fun of actually does work sometimes. Um, <laughs> and there's a moment where the actor who takes the professor takes off his glasses and you're like, he's actually a lot more intimidating. Look, he's not a big man, but he's a little more creepy looking without the glasses. You're like, okay, now he's a different guy, right? Yeah, I mean, his voice changes, right? He's becomes yes. like very, very serious and almost menacing. And yeah. I mean, the actor credit to him, like he does, he plays that, you know, that skittish professor character really, really well, but when yes, it's time yes. to take off the glasses and like you said, kind of unmask, you know, he plays that, you know, that, that killer pretty, pretty good. He 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 does, and I'm looking up his name because we keep calling him that. It's um Hobart Cavanaugh, which let's talk about Hobart Cavanaugh uh, as a name, right? That's it's <laughs> a fantastic name. Um, he uh, you know, you know, he's one of those guys. I think he was just in a ton of stuff, and he was in a lot of uh, like obviously he would have been westerns and stuff. And if he was a contract guy, he would have just done a lot of things and stuff. But it's I I just love the idea that you know now. I think as a viewer, you're inured to this idea of like, okay, someone's killing someone who's the least likely person it could be. And, and that's probably who it is. Right. Cause it's, you know, if they're, if the film's trying to be clever, it's the last person you're going to think of. And, and how, Scooby, um, and how Scooby-Doo is that Jim? Well, well, Scooby-Doo is a whole other thing. Cause Scooby-Doo, the, the, the villain is, is the only other person that Scooby and the gang have met in, in an episode. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's literally like, it's, it, yeah, they meet old scary man Jasper, and Too and he funny. tells them to go away, and they don't go away, and then they find out he's. I mean, of course he's the. Best. I mean, they, not every one's like that. I don't want to. I don't want to besmirch the glory that is oh, the Scooby Doo. Um, but um, that and it's usually the one that that Casey Kasem was also doing the voice for, right, <laughs> along with Shaggy. <laughs> um, but 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 even this, I will say, I when I first watched this in like February or something of this year, I didn't see it. I didn't see this coming. It's really funny. I was like, oh. It's the funny little guy. Okay, cool. I, I maybe I didn't give the film 
enough credit for being that clever or or for being able to make that work but it it, it does it's it, honestly jim it surprised me too and again i've seen this movie probably six times yeah. and the thing is it it moves really fast there's a lot of characters um and again i don't think i've it, it, i'm gonna sound like i'm crapping on the film because i'm not i mean there's some films yeah. that i just sit and i'm just enthralled in this this has never been one of those films for me this is like if i'm yeah. maybe doing something else or if I'm, you know, again, just chilling or, you know, just kind of watching a movie in the background, I'll throw this on. So, and, right. you know, I've seen it, but yeah, when I saw it again, when I'm doing, you know, doing pre- you know, preparations for this podcast, I'm like, oh man, yeah, I kind of forgot that happened, that it's the yeah. professor. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I will, I will say that, that, um, that the, the actor, once, once it turns into a little bit of a fight scene with, with, with Dick Brand, that there is another actor, there's a stunt person playing the uh the professor but um uh yeah um so uh you know uh uh bill bill goes for him and he dodges and bill goes through that kind of um trap door in in the radio room in the, in the secret room falls in and he falls down into the thing and now it now it's like he and stuff and and wendy and and you know are all trapped in the same kind of underground thing together right yeah, and I think at one point the professor before yeah Dick makes that you know that chop block that he knocked Wendy over with earlier in the film and goes after almost hits the professor but yeah goes through the wall and the professor admits to killing the phantom because he basically was after his treasure so there were two people on the island that were killers it was a phantom that we know killed right. Rod and now we're learning that the professor is also a killer he killed the phantom to basically get yes. him out of the way because he was after quote unquote his treasure. And and so. his am I right? Like like his plan started when they these you know both both uh, who we, we find out is 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 Panama Pete and the skipper bring in this this map and he he looks at it and goes this is a real map he knows it's a real map but he knows he's it's a real map it's not a real map of course no no I mean it's, yeah I think he says it you know in some passing dialogue that he knew there was a treasure and yeah. all he needed was this map so yeah so his his plan started to come to fruition the minute he saw yeah. that there was a legit map here. Um, he's listened to enough mystery, you know, shows that he's he's figured out how to do it, right? How to he's decided go. to be a, a a villain. It's I mean, mm-hmm. he's actually optioned to be like, like not just not just to coldly kill people, but to like do it with a little bit of a dramatic flair, right? Because that's that's his idiom, right? That's his, that's his taste in things. I'm almost wondering if this film would have been stronger if they didn't even if if the professor all along was the Phantom. And I'm just I'm thinking out loud here. Oh, why? I mean, why have this uh, this whole other like person be the phantom? Why couldn't it wouldn't have been stronger if it was if it was a professor the whole time? Yeah, yeah, no, I I'm not sure what the you know um well you because I think the film work it, the film sells based on the visual of this phantom character again this this very much uh, uh, shadow like you know you know yeah. slender kind of guy so yeah, so yeah. when it turns out this guy is um this is a the, the result of this story is, you know, the, the reveal of the story, I should say, is oddly similar to another film uh, from a little bit after this called Shh, The Octopus. I don't know. Or Scott, are you familiar with Shh, The Octopus? No, I'm not. Um, at some point, we might have to cover it on this thing. And there's a reveal in that movie that is so amazing and shocking that that it 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 is it maybe maybe works better than this even. But um, but it's still it's that idea of like the last person you're going to think of and stuff. And of course, the last person you think is going to be this meek professor guy. Um, but this I like how this works out is that, you know, he finally gets the whole map. The You know, the professor guy when he has he has every the, they're downstairs. The professor shows up. He's got his gun. He has the gun on, on all four of them and he's holding them back. Um, 
he gets the whole map, he figures out what the thing is, and he figures out this coin slot kind of uh, uh, plan, right? Not coin yeah. slot like like gr- the girls in the 90s wore their, their jeans, coin slot like actually putting in the... <laughs> the thing thing, right oh there's that super quick scene so i get i mean god bless the skipper man he's still working so when yeah bill wendy and uh stuff is trapped in the room of course the skipper i mean i'm sorry yeah skipper he's still knocking on the rocks so like and they have the quick dialogue and like i think it's skip i'm sorry yeah the skipper and stuff you know skipper hears them on the other side of the wall right and then runs over grabs an axe to literally break down the wall and just by lifting the axe it it opens up another hidden passage, <laughs> which is, which is, right. again is is straight up Scooby Doo. Right, right, right. And that um, yeah, at that point, so then the four of them. So I'm just trying to keep it in straight in my mind. So no, we've got Bill, Wendy, Stuff, and Skipper. Yes, we're running after Professor, who has a gun, has the only loaded gun on the island. So prof- it, I think we're getting to the point that you were just talking, Jim. So yeah, yeah. Professor holds him at gunpoint, gets the coin. And then, you know, goes over to him. He figures it out really quickly, this professor. So goes over yeah. to this axe handle, puts the coin in. And then, yeah, it kind of gets, you know. But sort of axe. doesn't, it's like he didn't read all the instructions, right? Right. He's not used <laughs> to booby traps. He should have seen like Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. Like, yeah, right. Um, so there's always there's a booby trap. You, just, you see the axe handle kind of raise up and, you know, cock itself a little bit and then starts swinging. And it just cuts to to uh, Bill and Wendy. And Wendy just turns her eyes away, obviously. Yeah. There's a quick shot back to the professor. I mean, it wasn't like decapitated. I don't know if you got like the the blunt end. I guess of the it's axe. like a mallet. I guess it's yeah, a mallet, yeah, yeah. not a not yeah. a not an axe and stuff. Yeah, so it just sort of like clocks, him, knocks right? him out, or it kills him. I who knows? Yeah. But yeah. yeah, basically knocks the professor out. And as the axe handle it comes down, another hidden wall behind the axe now opens up. And there's a huge treasure chest now that, you know, they pull out and seemingly is going to be like the treasure. Right. And it's just bones. Yes. Right. There's really, there's no treasure after all. So of course, right. all for, it, and you know, so there's a great moment where you're like, Oh, we found the child. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's all for bones. Nothing. Like right. the whole of, thing is for nothing. I mean, of somebody, I mean, I mean, Bill made, Bill made some money, you know, off of all these people paying 75 ahead, you know, $50 ahead, 75. He actually made $50 off of the phantom, the, the real phantom, I guess, for the professor being there. So, I guess. Yeah. I get $75 you know. from the sergeant. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, all this trouble was, you know, it was not whatever. Um, but, but the film does a great idea of like, of like, Oh, okay. It was all for nothing. I guess, you know, Oh, you know, whatever. Um, and they go back upstairs after that. And then here's where we, um, you know, the door kind of opens and all these, all these guys can come in who I guess would be, we would have called them G men back then. They're like government men. Um, yeah, like naval, and it's Navy. the guy who who was looking for him before, right? Yeah, like the Navy guys come in, and basically they've got like the sergeant almost in handcuffs. So it sounded like the sergeant was kind of out and about with his loaded gun. Sergeant saw these guys coming to the island and started shooting at them. Oh, right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, again, not not a very good, not a very good sergeant. So and these two yeah, very capable the, looking sailor guys and like the Popeye right. hat and everything. Exactly, you know, yeah, have yeah, yeah. Yep. He seems like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably yeah. pulling up on like a government issued like U boat or something like right, 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 whatever. Um, so or PT, yeah, whatever. Yeah, PT um, boat. And and so you know the you know Bill's obviously like what's going on, whatever. And what we were told is that that given what's going on, it's 1941. Um, Horror Island actually occupies a very strategic place off of the coast of of the United States, off of the mainland, and the government wants to lease it right for 
Yeah, wants to buy the stuff for for like national security. Yeah, and they're willing to offer. Yeah, and this is why they've been looking for the bill the whole time. They want to offer him a you know extremely generous offer to buy this the island. Yeah, for government for naval use. Is it to buy it or just to lease it? Even I'm not even sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, they're they're gonna anyway. They're gonna reward him handsomely to do that. And also, this is a way he he gets to do his patriotic duty, right? Because and I had to laugh. So Bill, again, I don't think Bill's like the most savvy businessman. So he's got this guy saying, "Oh, we're going to pay you handsomely for this island." Yeah. And Bill's like, "Oh, good. I can't wait to get rid of this island." It's like you probably should have like maybe held a played uh you know played called his bluff a little bit and be like, "Oh no, man, I love this island. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of money for me to sell this island." I don't know. I mean, I'm a patriot, but right. Yeah, Bill's like, "Oh Christ, I can't wait to get rid of this island. I'll take. I'll take anything." Exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I I think the 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 idea is that after this experience, he's like, you know what? I'm ready to get rid of the island. I'm I'm good with this. Um. Uh. And yeah, this way, you know, we're going to protect New York from. U, German U-boats or, or whatever, you sure. know, it is, it's, I think it's going to be like a radar station or something, um, is, but... which is, it's a funny, uh, it's a funny moment that, that actually for once does root this film, this, this, you know, universal pocket dimension type film into like a specific moment in time in history, you know, like, sure. Oh, okay. This is good point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause the, the one thing universal films do very well is ignore the fact that world war two was happening while they were making all these, you know, this is, this is the, um, what I, you know, I like to call the the spangly star epoch of Universal Films, where you know the beginning logo is that is the shining stars and and all that stuff. You know? yeah. Starting with this and then into uh, Wolfman, all the all the 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 uh, the Monster Mash films, House of Frankenstein, Wolfman versus yeah, Dra- you know Frankenstein and stuff. Um, <clears throat> at, at no point, and and they all take place. You know, half of them take place in Europe. At no point does Universal acknowledge the fact that there's a global conflict happening. Uh, because they're escapist films there. That wasn't what they were supposed to do. Right. They were supposed to um, entertain and, and, and in their own way, they were doing their, I don't want to call it patriotic duty, but they were playing their role, right. In, in, in entertaining and, in, in, you know, not only civilians, but troops too, you know, soldiers and sailors and stuff would, would, these films were immensely popular because um, they were escapist entertainment and there's nothing wrong with that. That, that again, that serves its own, its own purpose in, in our culture. Um, but, but this one film does weirdly acknowledge the fact that there, you know, I mean, obviously invisible agent would be the, um, would be the, 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 ex- the big exception to that. Right. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a super, super point, Jim. And I, yeah, this might be the first one, the first universal filming. There's no monsters. It's, it's the war's not more... happening yet. This, this comes out before D-Day. I mean, the war is not happening for America. I should say um, it's, it's definitely happening for, for oh, Britain New York. And France. That's right. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, because I believe the Battle of Britain is going on at the time this is this is yeah, happening. This, is, this is earlier forty one. Right. Uh, this this comes out, and can we talk about the fact that George Wagner directs this Man Made Monster and The Wolfman in nineteen forty one in one year <laughs> in one year. Yep. <laughs> like name me another director. I know I know uh, Spielberg did did sort of did Jurassic Park and, and Schindler's List kind of in the same year, but not exactly. But anyway. Um, that that's an accomplishment because those these are three really entertaining films. I mean they and they and they get better and better. Obviously, I think Man Made Monsters is kind of a better made film than this, and obviously Wolfman's a masterpiece. Exactly right. So yeah, we kind of I mean this is the you know the very the climax of the film, and I had to rewind this probably three different times. So when I say it wraps up quick, this wraps up really quick. So it's basically you know some dialogue from Bill saying, "Okay, everything's great again." So let me I'm just gonna I'm gonna take my time in saying this. So basically. Bill 
So Bill, Stuff, and Skipper are going to be okay because they now have money from the sale or the, the lease of the island. Yeah. Sergeant is going to be okay because he can claim the reward for killing Rod because he oh, was right. he was dead or alive or wanted dead or alive. That's right. So Sarge is going to be okay because he killed Rod. Um, um, Bonnie is going to be okay because she didn't want to be with Clyde in the first place. So Sergeant did her favor by killing this. Oh yeah, Ar- Ar- Arlene. Yeah, I Arlene. Mean- right. So she's going to be okay. Um, Thurman, I mean, but the Sarge didn't really kill Rod. So like, no, that's he not didn't. Really but he's going to he's going to claim the reward. I don't know. He's, he's the it. only person that's with a registered gun. So Sergeant gets the reward for killing Rod, which he All didn't right. do. Um, Thurman has a good day because he had a good night's sleep. Yes, exactly. That's that's I was going to get to him. I'm glad you said it. He, yeah, he sleeps through the whole thing, which is uh, you know funny. That's that's sort of what the the two characters do in the Raven, which is oddly enough. But he finally yeah. had a whole night, good night's sleep, which I guess that's, that's the his, purpose of his character. That's, that's his okay. reward. Everyone else is getting like money and you know independence. Yeah. He he had a good night's sleep, yeah. Yeah. and then Wendy kind of drifts off. So you know Bill follows after her, and um, you know of course they have like the you know finally that tender moment between the two of them, and they they yes. kiss and kind of a really odd really odd final final scene here jim and you know so thurman pulls out this like little notepad and he's right. got like i don't know like some a couple lines i'm just watching it now and i forgot so this whole thing about thurman yeah what are the if you're watching it what are, like this this couple of other lines it's like some kind of bank balance and then it basically the last line on it says unattached and then he crosses right. out the un Yes. So it just reads attached. Uh, yeah. And then credits so, roll. And 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 I mean, uh, right above that, the line I'm pausing it right now. The line above it says financial rating and it says seven million dollars. <laughs> and it lists her father, Thomas B. B. Crichton. So the idea is that like I think I think Thurston was just he he's a he's a uh what do we want to call him? He's it's like, he's, it's like he's, her brother. He's a grifter, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's basically just trying to 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 live off of her money and she's i guess letting him or something he's his interest in her is not romantic in any no, way shape, or form i don't think um he's just that guy who whenever and then you know he sees them kissing he's like well that this time to move on right yeah no it makes sense i guess yeah just a grifter i guess it's a good name for her yeah he was yeah. the beard she was his beard and uh now that that's I mean, he didn't, he wasn't didn't really seem like he's going to fight for. He's like, all right, she's attached. That, that um, meal ticket is is got is done. Gone. Now. Yeah, yeah, but at least I get a good night's sleep. And he goes back to sleep. Right, <laughs> he's like, okay, well, I can just go back to sleep. So, I mean, I'm worried that Thurston has some sort of like narcolepsy or something that possibly sleeping. But all even the car accident, he's asleep. It's like, um, oh, yeah, man. I I just I love the professors. Uh, that you know, I realize now like the, you know the sleepwalking gag, which you think is just like something out of Abbott and Costello and it's just a goofy running bit is really like his plan to, you know, he gets to go and go anywhere he wants and spy on anybody. Right. Like he shows up in the dungeon that time. He's like, Oh, I was sleepwalking. I'll just go back to bed. Um, uh, that that's his sort of way of navigating around the place and no one gets suspicious about why you're here. That's like, always a sleepwalker. That's, that's, that's he just ends yeah. up until, until steps and stuff yeah. until Bill found those slippers. And that was the end of that. Yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll leave that that that's fine it, it it clocks and stuff and honestly the film just everything winds up and it makes sense and you're not left with like glaring plot holes or anything and, and you know um it's, yeah I, i'm so i'm glad we kind of hit on this this film because uh it's it's part of the it's part of this you know this legacy of, of universal and in its own way it, it it sort of is the nugget on which a lot of other things end up growing 
Yeah, no, there's a lot of tropes, like you said, born born out of this film. And I mean, yeah. seeing like George Wagner doing his thing and just some of the talent with, uh, you know, Dick Moran and Patty. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, their again, chemistry is great. My, oh, definitely. Oh, the chemistry is fantastic. And yeah, I mean, I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'll end this podcast with me saying it's it's okay for film. I don't want to call it background noise, but I think, and again, like for me, when I sat down and really analyze this film and rewound and it really looked, try to scrutinize it, I liked it a lot less for yeah, me. Yeah. Like, and, and I would, you know what? I would go back, say, I'd say two, probably a month from now, two months from now, I'm going to watch this again. Yeah. And I'm just going to be, you know, it might be background noise and I'm going to watch it from just a fan, just somebody who's looking to have a good time. And I'll enjoy this film. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. If you're if you're not really trying to analyze it on the in, to the degree you would analyze something like the Invisible Man or something, you know, um, or, or Island of Lost Souls, which we just did, you know, which, right. which you know is a really tight, really whatever, you know, produced film and stuff. Um, yeah, uh, it's just yeah, it's it's just an entertaining entertaining. It's it's dead on an hour long. I mean, it's it's a quick watch and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I don't know when the next time I'll watch this this particular one because I've. I've still got a bunch of universals I need to catch up on the watch and stuff that I I've never, I've never watched and we're going to be covering at some point. So I need to like, you know, get on that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a blast. I, I love maritime horror. I don't know. It's, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a whole sub 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 genre that I've, I've recently realized that I, I dig, um, uh, you know, the beginning part of son of Kong is, is all about, you know, ships and boats and things, you know, and, 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 um, and then being broken and stuff. So, uh, uh, I'm with you. Know, I can't wait to talk about that too and stuff like that. It's just yep. a neat era. It is. Island of Lost Souls, like I said, some of those, you know, those scenes on yeah. the docks, are just fantastic stuff. And yeah, no, this is a this is a good one, guys. I mean, if you have a you have the chance, if it's in your collection, I don't know if I would go out and you know, I mean, if you get you know Universal Blu-ray Volume Three, this is going to come with it with Black Cat, Tower of London. It's worth it. You know, I don't know if I would go out and you know spend fifteen, sixteen, seventeen bucks for this standalone, but yeah, you know, to each his own. But it, it's fun. It, it it's a fun one. Yeah. No, for sure. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks you so much, Jim. This was a blast as usual. Always, and, man. Always. This is great. Thanks. We'll so, talk to you soon. Yep. We'll talk to you soon at the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. But the fun does not stop here. You can follow and interact with the show's hosts and listeners online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Borgo Pass Horror Podcast is a presentation of Shadow Camera Film and Entertainment. This episode was edited by Livio Marino. The music was composed by Sean Poole. Opening and closing narration are by me, Kat Herons. Show titles and graphics created by Jim Towns. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Thank you.